We've gathered here tonight, around the fire, as people of all lands have gathered for thousands and thousands of years before us, to share the light and to share a story. An amazing story, as old as time itself, but still being written. Tell me about your childhood. Hello and welcome to another fourth week, in this case it's a fifth week episode of Two True Freaks, and yes, as you've garnered from the beginning of it, it's another Two True Freaks Storytellers. And it's not just me here telling a story. I am here with my best buddy from high school, Scott H. Gardner. Hey, how's it going? Mi- uh, middle school. Middle school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm. But high school is when we got in the most trouble. This is true. Actually, you know what? It actually goes back further than that. It actually goes back to elementary, elementary. school. Because you and I met in the in, fourth grade, but we, we really Mr. became... Class. Yeah, we really became solid friends in... Uh, in uh, middle school and at uh, least i feel that i feel that that was the history and that's the story i'm gonna stick (laughs) i just had a flashback to one of my early scott gardner experiences is when we went when when the class came out to the solar house yep and you and Dwayne camage were were like hanging out and there was a game game of kickball across the street from my house in a field and you and Dwayne were like, "Screw this kickball shit!" And you were like, "Climbing a tree." Climbed a tree, yeah. And got and got yelled at. That's all I I remember. Yeah, I remember that. I remember. But this I was one, antisocial it, even back then. Yes, you were. Well, you were social enough, but just not with with just a select group of goofballs. <laughs> exactly. As, as is the pattern of both of our lives. I chose I choose my friends wisely and I choose my activity. You know, I, I like to do what I like to do. I don't like to be told, alright, we're gonna go and we're gonna do this. I'm like, no, nah, fuck that. I'll go climb a tree. Well you were sorta of, <laughs> I think you guys were sort of game enough at first, but then you're like, Oh yeah, that's right, this is kickball, it sucks. <laughs> it sucked <laughs> yeah, back exactly. at school and it sucks across the street from Chris Honeywell's house in a field too, that's at an angle. So, yeah, What's funny tree. is if that happened again today, I think immediately what I would do is I'd play kickball until somebody kicked the ball. Because I'm pretty sure it was one of those those big kind of spongy rubbery Rubber kickballs. Yeah. yeah, so I'd wait till somebody kicked the ball to where I could get it. And then when I got the ball, I would suddenly tr- turn the game into dodgeball. <laughs> I think that's what I would do today. <laughs> You're out! <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, but this episode is going to mostly bleed into the late middle school, high school days of Scott and I, <laughs> and it's sort of a companion piece to Hesh, because it, it's it's all taking place in the same time period, and the <laughs> Hesh story sort of was like us outside of school, right. and, this, and this is us in school, and this, in, in school, is where we were the true bastards. Because that's where we were trapped all the time, and that's where we got up to mischief, you know? Trapped is a great way to put it, too, because that's exactly how I felt about my high school career. Well, my entire school career was trapped. Yes. It was, uh... You know, 
before we get into this, I, I just wanted to throw something out there that, yes, this this kind of spins out of the, uh, I'll just go ahead and say it, out of the success of the Peter Hesch episode, because, wow, have we gotten some really, really positive feedback about that. You guys really liked that show, and we're very happy that you did. You like um, me. <laughs> you really like me. <laughs> the common... The common thread to all of the feedback that I've got, I, I, that I know I've seen on this, uh, you know, on the Pete Hesh episode, <laughs> has been, all right, how much of this is bullshit? I'm telling you, we didn't make that up. That shit happened. That was, you know, there may be, you know, touches of exaggeration here and there, but for the there most might part, be, but there's other parts where I think we sort of pull back a little bit, right? To yeah. avoid exaggeration, you know, mm-hmm. just to. Or to avoid it seeming as if it was just a ridiculous lie, right? You know? Maybe right. maybe ticking it back into what may seem more like reality. You know what really just completely cracks me up about that whole thing is that you know I'll admit it. You know, in, in the in the three here, you know, the three year plus history now of Two True Freaks, we have thrown out many of falsehood. And you guys have lapped it up w- without batting an eye. And some of them have been pretty ridiculous. Yet we throw out this episode that really I, is it's all... It's classic Boycott Cried Wolf. It's I love classic. it. <laughs> it is. It is. We've, we've been hoist by our own petard. So, yeah. <laughs> Would you call me petard? Jean-Luc Petard. I was just going to say I'm not captain of the Enterprise. <laughs> Oh, where to begin? Where to begin? Well, we'll start with our subject for this evening's storyteller. Hey, what are, you, what, what? what are you armed with tonight, by the way? What am I armed with? I yeah. I don't have any food with me tonight because I oh. had a bounteous dinner and a pretty... Uh, I, I invented a new grilled cheese sandwich today. All right, this is the this is the key to this grilled cheese sandwich. You know how you usually butter your bread with a grilled cheese sandwich? Put your butter in the pan, and a pan big enough for two pieces of bread, melt your butter in there, throw your bread on there, and then take your cheese and grate it on there. Like, I put cheddar cheese on there and a little bit of, like, basil flakes. And then when it was all melted, you know those, those deep-fried onions you get in a little can? They're, like, yeah. battered in deep-fried onions? Just dump a bunch of those on one layer of the grilled cheese sandwich and slap that sucker together. Oh, my God. Damn, that sounds good. It's a trailer park delicacy. And then I had roasted chicken, which I had roasted last night, and in its own juices and gravy and peas. for. So, so now, really, I'm only armed with about half a bottle of squirt for thir- thirst quencher. <laughs> it's actually caffeine free but I do have some Dr. Pepper in case this runs out but I don't think I'll be needing that <laughs> nor I don't, uh, do I think anybody will be desiring me to <laughs> hit the Dr. Pepper tonight <laughs> why Scott what are you armed with tonight well I went to the store to get scoops because uh, as, as folks will hear from Comics Monthly Monday um, <laughs> somebody ate my damn scoop I was so pissed about that so I went nobody's to the store. fessed up yet. <laughs> nobody's fessed up. The and dog my, did it. 
Yeah, exactly. My house is the classic. I don't. I just, yeah, I don't know. You know, aliens. I, what are scoops? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. They're those chip things. Yeah, I thought I saw those. Maybe. Yeah. Everybody, everybody denies all knowledge in this household. They're all plotting so, against. So you know. The awesome thing is, like, Publix is, like, right around the corner from my house. So even though I honestly kind of detest Publix, it's convenient. It's literally at the end of the street. So went down to Publix intending to get scoops. Well, scoops at Publix, they're damn $3.99. I'm like, fuck that. I'm not paying $3.99 for one bag of freaking scoops that I'll eat in, like, half an hour. (laughs) But they had um, Doritos, which I try to honestly, I try to eat healthy. I try to stay away from that. And I don't say I don't think I've had Doritos, but maybe once or twice since I worked for Frito Lay, you know, like ten plus years ago. You know, I just got burned out on like every Lay's product that there was because you know when it's at your fingertips, you know when you first start working for them, you're like, mm, ah, free chips, you know. But then okay, after like just one, yeah. Well, after about three months, you're like, I never want another Dorito in my life, you know. But anyway, they were they were buy one get one free. I was like, hey, that's a good deal on Doritos. So I picked up Doritos. I've got tonight. I've got blazing buffalo and ranch, which Dear I got a good honest, lord. They're not all that good, but I finally get to break out that uh, lime and garlic salsa that I was so itching to oh, eat. The you other see, day. I can't do the I can't do the the chips with stuff on them already in the salsa. See, they're, they they like they taste so bland i mean i really thought these buffalo and ranch ones would be like awesome but they would be soaked in flavor yeah they're not they're really they're very very bland so really it's like regular doritos with this awesome salsa and the salsa is really good plus i've got a 44 ouncer uh i made myself a uh, tom palmer tonight i have I have uh, a half and half, which is, you know, that's that's a, a traditional, uh, what you call him? What's the dude's name? Palmer? Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer. It's a traditional Arnold Palmer, but yeah. then I added in <laughs> Vault Cola to oh. it. Oh. <laughs> so, and now it's a Tom Palmer, so. So I am uh, I am super energized that's for That's good. Because <laughs> we're going to be, we're going to be probing your, your deep memories of oh, high school. What? <laughs> yeah, because because w- w- Scott and I were texting before we started the show, and he's just like, "You're gonna have to lead me through this because I don't know if I remember too much about it." He does. He just doesn't know he does yet, <laughs> and he will soon enough. You guys are gonna hear that's, the process right right here. That's the scary thing is that looking back on this, Eli's class was what like 1980. I'm thinking 80 ish, dude. That's that's a long time ago. I mean, that's 30, that's over 30 years, years ago. Yeah, I mean, whoo, you know. I mean, I can't remember things from like, you know, three days ago. I have a memory like an elephant. And the funny <laughs> thing about my memory is it does seem to fill in a lot of blanks around what other people forgot. Right. And uh, well, so I, think I can fill great. in stuff from other people, too. Yeah, you did a great job with that on the on the Hesh stuff because there was a lot of the details about that stuff that I had completely forgotten. Well, so. a lot of that, like a lot of that, sort of sprang up as I was telling it. The whole the whole thing with with uh, the whole Julian Lennon concert part, I was just sort of, you know, you know, I had a I, I had a storyline to talk through with that, but all of a sudden details would spring out of nowhere that I'd forgotten all about, you know, and just in the process of going through it, you know, like in a police lineup or something really, really helped. 
But well, this you did one, a great job on the editing of that, by the way. That was oh, thanks. And God damn <laughs> it, was, that fun. That that contrast. I had I had a lot of fun. That like editing that one was. I actually had to stop and laugh sometimes. You know, right. when 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 I was editing it, because all of a sudden I would be like, "Oh my God, I have just the sound effect for this," you know, and. uh this one, I don't know if this one will have as many as it's it's not as as dynamic, I guess, atmospheres because it all takes <laughs> place in inside of a school for the most part. For the most so part, we'll, we'll be taking a few trips outside into Carthage, here and there, but for <laughs> the most part, you know, I mean, primarily just as a great bookend to Hesh is our. 8th grade science teacher Eli Nutter which we should stress right off the bat we're not making that name up That's that was not a really name to protect the, the guy's name cuz you know I'm thinking that more than likely Andrew uh, Andy Leyland is going to be listening I have to stop and think about that every time I'm about to say it now <laughs> is more than likely going to listen to this episode and I, I never knew this when we actually were in school and we had Eli as a teacher and knew Eli and everything, it wasn't until years later that I uh, that I found out that nutter is an expression in England for like a crazy person. Someone you know, who's like insane. he's a real nutter. Well, so he, I you know, I think we're... Eli's li- lineage is from Britain, probably. And, and well, I've been doing. I've been trying to find out what happened to him online and finding lots of Eli nutters from Britain. <laughs> and may, you know, maybe there's a little trace of uh, mental illness through the genetic line of nutters. Hence, I'm just the saying name. that it sounds, you know, especially to someone from there, you know, this would be like somebody named like you know Joe Git, you know. So we're not making this up. This was really the guy's name was really Eli Nutter, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, it would be like Henry Psycho or something. Right? Like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Henry Dumbass. <laughs> Henry Dumbass. Oh my God! If anybody can uh, name that reference, uh, yep. it's actually it's, a, it's actually Alexander Dumbass. Is it? There's got to be somebody out there that had one of those. Uh, what was it? Pardon my bloopers records from back in the day. That's gonna just be rolling and going. Oh my God! At that, and everybody else is like, "What the hell are they talking about?" I oh, where have you been, son? <laughs> Rambling, my lord. Oh, make my bed soon, <laughs> for I'm weary from hunting. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, <laughs> over and over, we listen to that just oh, fucking laughing our asses off. I wonder if I still have those. I'll have to. I have to go through my vinyl and see if I've still got those albums. If you don't have them, I, I they're they're a rummage sale. You know, regular. They they turn they up pull- at. They're they're everywhere. You'll find ten record sets of Pardon My Bloopers. And a lot of them are recreations. A lot of them are, um, you know, they, they've they've recreated them because they didn't tape them, but somebody wrote it down and stuff like that. But anyway. I was just going to say, I'm almost sorry when we put a name on an episode like this because I actually like this type of podcast. We don't do... I don't feel like we do enough of this, you know, well, old this, school this- two-true freaks where we just sit down and just... Just bullshit, you know? Well, Whatever well, comes e- to our minds. With Eli, it's not as colorful of a fucking with as Hesh. So it's not like 
Oh, I don't know about story. that. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> oh, that's right. And then when Randy figures into the whole thing, that's right. Randy figures into all this. I never worked Pete Hesh into a fucking heart attack. You know, that <laughs> happened with, with Eli Nutter. And, and uh, for for just just for a little history, Eli Nutter was sort of infamous coming up through 6th and 7th grade because back... Back in the day, Eli Nutter was a strict, insane disciplinarian to the point of where he'd paddle kids and throw them around and was getting in trouble for it quite a bit. And at some... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, before we get into his personality, I I have been struggling ever since we came up with this topic of, you know, Pete was easy... To paint a mental picture of, of his Pete. physical appearance to the listeners, Eli's a lot harder because. Oh, I can do it. All right, well, uh, go, ahead, go ahead because um, the closest. You know, a, the painting American Gothic. <laughs> a younger, a younger, more sturdy version of that guy. You know, he was with the, a pouty lip. With a pout, with a boot, boot lip, we used to call it. With a with a puckery, big old. Lower lip. Now, where and, does um, that? I meant Angus that's... Grimm from the Phantasm movies. <laughs> yes, with black hair. You know, a younger, okay. more. He looked like he should be in a fire and brimstone preacher's yeah. outfit. Like, God, uh, nailed it, dude. Yeah, you complete. Now, I have always wanted to ask you, and I don't think I ever did. Where, where did the expression "boot lip" come from? It's. it's I a... don't know. I thought I heard it from. I it pro. I pro, we probably. If if you and I don't know what it is, it was probably Randy. Yep. I've never heard anybody say, well, that guy had a big old boot lip on him. But we use the term quite a bit. I have no idea where it came from. You know, it's like scurf. You know, it's not something you hear every day. Every once in a while, I'll hear somebody say, you know, that they saw, you know, he came in today from work all scurvy or had to wipe wipe the scurf off him. Well, that's funny because I've actually... You know, after after seventeen years with this woman, I finally started to to get her to use some gardenerisms. And the other oh, day, no. she said something about I needed to go get in the shower because I was all scurvy, and I just started laughing because it's like it's not something I expected her to say. One day she'll listen to the Hesh episode, and you'll you'll be like waking up, and she'll be like in the sh- getting out of the shower or something. You'll be like, "Honey," and she'll be like, "Yeah," and you'll be like, "Oh no." Oh, no. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> hey, how's it going? <laughs> evidently, Scotty loved that episode. After you know, yeah, I, no shit, man. You don't, you don't. You know, I don't want. Here's it's this ammunition you, for the old man. Yeah, yeah, I was like. You know, because, you know, how do you tell somebody don't do this when you know damn well telling them don't do this is going to be like, okay, go do this, you know? Well, at the end of that story, though, you did get grounded for that whole summer, man, which was no joke at all. Well, she was kind of giving me shit about, well, I'm not, I I shouldn't say, she was just saying that there was something in there that she hadn't heard the episode, but there was obviously something in there that I had not wanted him to hear, and he'd gone ahead and listened to it anyway. And she was like, so, you know, what was that all about? And I just told her, I said, I didn't really want him to listen. But since he did, I said, you know, don't don't worry. You know, I, I made, you know, I really stressed at the end of that story the dire consequences of our actions, you know. <laughs> yes. So, 
Whoa. Well, the dire consequences to you. I got away with it scot-free. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> well, hey, uh, it's summer. a fair trade-off for what happened with the hairy palm, you know, so. That's right. Well, we both got that. Yeah, that year was a year of trouble for both of us. That's for sure. I, I must uh, elaborate. Harry Palm, by the way, was the name of Chris's underground newspaper. Not not the traditional definition of Harry Palm. <laughs> not my like, actual Harry Palm. Not his I, actual Harry Palm. Yes. I shaved that before school. I was not <laughs> going to be walking around school with that. So, yeah, yeah. The, and Scott was a Scott was contributed clues, clues, clues cor- co- corner, and he also would write short. You know, short little stories and and stuff like that. And there was another. Wasn't there something else? Maybe Clues Clues Corner was the one where you would just basically cuss out bus drivers and lunch ladies and. Clues you know. Corner was pretty much Juju Freaks. My my contribution <laughs> to Juju Freaks years before we ever even dreamed of doing was, the show because it was me bitching about everything that bothered me pretty much the same way I do when we're on this show, you know. Yeah, and it was very much like the Ed Anger column in uh, <laughs> yeah. in the Weekly World News. It, yes. it was just like yeah, it was a lot of name calling and it was Andy Rooney if Andy Rooney swore. Do you ever notice how fucked up this is? Yeah. You know. Do you ever notice how fucking fat the lunch lady is? <laughs> right. <laughs> Why does our bus driver look like fucking Juice Newton? Yep. That was pretty much it. But, um, yeah, so that, uh, that was a year of trouble. But in school, trouble's only like getting sent down to the principal's office and stuff like that. So at least we still had, uh, you know, some school time. We had plenty of school time for trouble. Now, Scott and I always ended up getting split in to like it was it, like literally they would split the sections if I recall right this was more I don't know if they did it the same way in high school and the middle school but uh he was G and I was H and that was right where that like yeah he was on one end of the split and I was on the other end of the split so we would always end up in these parallel sets of classes Mm-hmm. You know, he would, you know, the, the one group would have, but one time we ended up in the same group was in, in middle school was when we ended up with Eli's class <laughs> and not together, but we both ended up having, you know, you, you and Randy were in, in one version of Eli's class and I was in it with a, not a really a bunch of cut up kids. They were all the studious kind of bookwormy kids for the most part. Right. Although, like, Will Howard was kind of a jock, but he got good grades and stuff. But George Clark was in there, and he was kind of a cut up too. And, uh, and the thing about Eli was his reputation preceded him. You, you know how when you're coming up through school and a few years ahead of you, the, the, your older brother or, you know, an older kid will tell you, oh, you got to watch out for Mr. Doremus. He's a real ball breaker. Right. You know, or right. Miss blah, blah, blah gives a lot of homework, you know, and, spit, and spits on the first row when she talks. So you got to. So we heard about Eli Nutter. Right. And they had painted a picture of him very much like the like the headmaster in uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall, you know? <laughs> yes. Very, very much like that. You can't yes. have your blah, blah, blah if you don't eat your meat. You know, that's yep. pretty much what I was expecting going into Eli's class, so. And uh, the thing about it was we were on that cusp of where discipline and... 
beatdowns were, you know, when I was in elementary school, kids were getting paddled. And by the time we were in middle school, nah, nobody was getting paddled at all. And by the time we got to Mr. Nutter's class, um, now this is all hearsay, but this was this, the word on the street was that Mr. Nutter was told that if he touched another student, or they so much as heard anything about him t- touching another student, he was gone. You know, he was done. It was the end of his career. So, that's a terrible thing for students to know about you if you're a teacher. Yeah. Because it effectively, effectively ties your hands. You can't do shit. And, you know, te- you know how kids are. We... You feel it's like a substitute teacher, or any teacher at the beginning of the year. You're feeling each other out. You're seeing how much you can get away with. And finally, we found out that Mr. Nutter was toothless and powerless to the to the most ridiculous degree. <laughs> and it was like throwing raw meat into the hyena pit. It was, you know, I mean, you know. We gave him the treatment, but we weren't the only ones. Every, I, I have to imagine every single class just... It was day in and day out for him. It was the same thing. It was, yeah. but I think there were degrees. I, I think... <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying that we aren't, weren't the worst, because I gotta say, we had to have been... I don't I, think there was anybody coming up behind us who could have held a candle to what we did to that man. I think the the I think there's one person <laughs> above everybody else that yeah. really takes the cake with Eli, and that was Randy. Yeah, but who Randy I tried was in our to crew. get for this episode. I, I've I've been trying to get a hold of him. I wanted him so badly for this episode. So I'll, even I'll if try he to... was just listening and laughing, it would right. have been great. So you know. I, I I really regret that I wasn't able to get him, but uh, well, he I always think was Randy just as, merciless <laughs> as part of our group. But he was also the worst of our group too, and yeah, oh my god, because I I would rain you know, I I would rein myself in in a lot of situations of, of things that we did when we were kids. I I had a threshold, you know, I had a threshold of okay, that's that's too far. That's getting into, you know, whether it was a sketchy area legally, like, you know, that's that's vandalism or, you know, that's, you know, that's, you know, or it was some sketchy moral area like, yeah, that's just going a little bit too far. You know, Randy never really seemed to have those barriers. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't want to make him sound evil or something, but when it came to when it came to people it like vandalism yeah. and crimes and stuff i never saw him like get destructive or anything maybe a little bit violent and angry if he was really drunk mm-hmm. but that happens to a lot of people but yeah when it came to fucking with somebody ooh, wow <laughs> <laughs> yep and in hesh's case you know, there's always this this tinge of regret every time I tell the stories. And there's always, you know, that part of me that goes, well, you know, you were just a kid and, right. and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but you always feel kind of bad because Hesh really didn't do anything to deserve it. It was just sort of, uh, 
Yeah, you could find any <laughs> millions of ways to justify it. Eli, I don't feel so bad. I felt we were like kind of the karmic payback for a lot of kids. Well, see, that came years later, though. I know where you're going with this. I think we should save that for much oh, later in the yeah, wrap-up. Yeah, but we weren't but... being righteous when we were doing it. That's no, for sure. see, I didn't know any of, of what came later, you know, with, with his story or what. I just knew that... I mean, I think a lot of the reason he took so much shit from us was that, you know... For one, like you say, we were forearmed with the knowledge that he really couldn't do anything, you know. But also, until we met Mr. Leindecker, he reminded me an awful lot of the of the scientist from Thomas Dolby's She Blinded Me with Science video. And yes. I think that was the origin of us really messing with him because he kind of reminded us of that guy. And uh, <laughs> yes, and he was a science teacher. And he was a science teacher, and he was just a—he was a freak. He really. And when was he said the word science, he said science. Yeah, he had that—he <laughs> had that far, far, far about his voice. Yeah, and, and uh, well, before we get started and talking about lying, <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell a story about you telling a story about Eli's origin story. <laughs> oh God. And this was back in the when we were writing Battle in Outer Space Wars, our Star Wars parodies, and uh, we were in the back of my dad's store, and we were just goofing around in that big back open warehouse section, and we were talking about how we were going to do a scene in Battle in Outer. We were going to want always wanted to film it in Super Eight, and we'd have a scene where all the stormtrooper like guys are running down this hallway, and then someone magnetizes the wall, and they all stick to the wall. And we were talking about that, and then you were like, oh, yeah, my dad told me the story about Eli, because when they were in high school, Eli was just, like, a little older than him. And you, like, dead seriously told this whole story about how Eli was, like, this crazy party animal, like, bad boy, and he had this woman that he was engaged to, and they used to call him Wild Thing. And they were, they were driving, driving. There was some sort of vehicle accident. I can't remember if it was a motorcycle or a hot rod or whatever. And she died in his arms. And as she died, she said, "Wild thing, wild thing." I think I love you. Now I had never heard the song "Wild Thing," so I didn't get that as a joke. I was just like, "Whoa, <laughs> that's intense." And then, like, eventually you finally explained it to me that it was a song. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, like, the punchline of the joke. But, you know, I'd never heard that song. But that, that was the... That was the that's, it's just funny that you fed me a fake origin story. Because I'd heard that. I'd heard that about him before we even got to his class. <laughs> and, you know, I mean... See, I didn't do that sort of... That was more Randy's territory. Randy mm -hmm. was is still, to this day, the king of looking you square in the Dead eye and telling you complete <laughs> horseshit in a very believable fashion to where you don't know that, that it's all just completely fabricated. Mm -hmm. I always thought that I sucked at that. But I, I got you with that one. You had, oh, I was suckered right in on that Jesus, one. I'm surprised you remember that. That was... That was I remember all kinds of things. I guess so. And uh, <laughs> I just remember, you know, my whole class in Eli's class 
working in tandem right. to make his life hell. Because <laughs> you you know it was one of those cla- it wasn't a classroom with desks. You were you sat at, it was just a long lab table with lab tables branching off it, and everybody sat on the big you know stools at, at a lab table. And it was one of those lazy classes where it was taught with modules where you would just go up and everybody would get their module and you would do the experiment on the module and and fill out the answers at the end of it. And, you know, it was all very mechanical and didn't have a lot of teaching from Eli. It was all reciting sort of stuff. And during that whole time, we would be chewing up in spit wads and storing them and in just wads of paper and storing them between like stuffed in but you know the electrical conduit wire that would be running all through there we would stuff pieces of paper all through there all up and down everybody would be doing it so the minute he would turn his back boom a paper war of paper balls could just break out at any second with people arming themselves from under the tables and, like, I can only imagine that classes after us were still, you know, probably grabbing them. Well, that and classroom of his was one of the most stupidly designed mm-hmm. rooms I've ever been in in my entire Made life. Made for but, trouble. Yeah. Well, it's, can you paint, paint a mental picture? Well, it was a, it was a the, this, this middle school is that sort of new design of school where it's kind of like an office where it's made up right. of dividers. The classes are all dividers. So you could, you know, you could see over the, the wall into a classroom. Which was but a science for disaster because that meant you could throw shit into the other right. room. But the science rooms were enclosed and they had a front door and a back door. In Eli's room, you never really got to use the back door. But uh, uh, there were two science rooms next to door to each other, Eli's and uh, Mr. Rivette's, who we'll get to later. And Eli's room was completely enclosed with two panes of glass in the front that had pieces of paper over them, so you couldn't see out. And then there was a uh, like one divider wide divider between where you could see into Mr. Rivette's room. And then you had the tables branching out. You had a chalkboard on the right. In the front of the classroom where you came in the door was where the screen came down for the film strip viewer. And then in the back of the room, you had sort of Mr. Nutter's desk, which was another science table with a sink attached to it. And then you had his back room where he had all his specimens and and stuff stored in there. And so he was sort of sitting in the back, would be in the back of the room and would sort of go over to the side to teach on the chalkboard. And could it seems like it's laid out pretty efficiently if you were a scientist, but when you're teaching a whole bunch of little heathen Carthage kids, it's a whole different thing. There was no place. There was basically it was like if somebody was causing trouble at one end of the room, he could go running (laughs) over there. But that just made the other side of the room have all that much more time. No matter doing something, you could just get him running back, running in circles. Oh, and we did. Yeah, no matter where he was (laughs) in there, a good at least solid third of the class, he had his back to them. Yeah, and that's where we got away with all the shit that we got away with because, you know, because Randy and I got to be, you know, because at one point he split us up in the class because this was one of the very, very rare instances where Randy and I were actually in the same class mm-hmm. because 
I don't know if it was a matter of they got smart about this, or well, there was actually there was a time where Randy. Um, well, I His think family, they got they, smart about putting you and me in classes yeah, yeah, together so real too. quick. Well, you see, that's it was funny. You were telling that story at the beginning about you know them splitting us up by our last names, and I was thinking, you know, I never really thought about that. I thought they split us up because they knew putting us together was you know a recipe for you that's know, probably more likely. Yeah, yeah. But Randy and I were it was the same type of deal where they they I don't know if it was they didn't want relatives in the same class or what. And then there was a time I'm trying to remember what year that was. Where my grandparents, because remember, Randy is my is you know, biologically he's my uncle, but we're still the same age. They had moved out to Lafargeville for what at least one solid school year, but I think that was in eighty one. I forget, but anyway, yeah, that was before the I point. I was Randy. yeah the the point I was trying to make was that this was one of the very rare instances where Randy and I were actually in a <clears throat> in a class together, and it was just. It had disastrous results for Eli. And at one point, he actually did split. He wouldn't let us sit together anymore, so he split us up. Well, then the dumbass puts us in opposite ends of the room. So this becomes <laughs> that scenario like what you and I used to do to my cousin Michelle, where we would sit in the back seat of the car when we were going somewhere, and you would go like, eh? and she'd, you know, she'd look over to you to see what you were doing. And then while you, she was looking at you, I'm like, you know, behind her back, going, yeah, hey. yeah, exactly. So it became like a, a game of that on a much larger scale to where he would go over to deal with Randy, you know, doing something and I would, you know, do whatever. And one of the most extreme examples I can ever think of, you know, I was thinking about this. I wish I had realized a lot of things in school when they were happening. Because I didn't realize until years later how much goodwill my antics in that class generated with my fellow classmates. Yes. I didn't realize that a lot oh, of people no, came they were to really respect you and I and Randy for a lot of the shit that we pulled in high school because... I can remember being in other classes where you and me would act up and it would annoy the piss out of the other kids where they'd really get irritated with you with a sense of like, God damn it, I'm trying to learn something here. That didn't happen in Eli's class. Well, it wasn't a factor in Eli's class. It wasn't anything to learn. You Basically, you took the modules, you read what was on them, and that uh, you read them, did an, a lame experiment... And then you wrote da- wrote down the you know results, and then you immediately took a test on it, and then you w- went on to the next module, and I- then there was a mod, then there was a you know unit test from you know five modules or something like that, you know, and so he, it was this mechanical process of mem- right. you know, so he there was, was no uh, learning involved. Yeah, exactly. He was and, the guy that simply handed out the modules and turned the slides for the film strips, and that was about it, you know. And he, yeah, he did not bring science to life. I mean, <laughs> right? <he> yeah. was, <laughs> you know, he just had this. He had the, it was comical once he got going. If you could get him to st- say his Eliisms. And his stereotypical sayings, which what my favorite was, whisper, 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 yeah. whisper, you know, whenever anybody would be talking out loud. But what I was going to say, one of the, the ballsiest things to this day, I think this is honestly one of the ballsiest things I've ever done. Was one time we were having some sort of paper war type of thing, and it was in the middle of a, of a film strip or, or a movie, one of the two. 
and he got really pissed. I remember he, 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 Randy was at one end of the room and I was at the other. And Randy was over by like the door where the light switch was. And Randy kept just, I think Randy was actually throwing, because Randy had a hell of an arm. He was a pitcher, you know, in, in, in Little League right. baseball. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that Randy just kept pitching like wadded up pieces of paper and nailing Eli in the head. So he like, if I can, you know, jumps up storms over there and every time he would do that i thought oh this is it this is the day randy gets <laughs> this is when he gets snapped yeah, yeah. exactly you yeah. <laughs> know so he jumps up marches over to randy snaps on the lights and as he did that and i still i have to i have no idea where i got the balls or the even the idea to do such a thing the moment I was I... in maybe it was just maybe i honestly thought this is how i save my uncle's life you know <laughs> I had to distract Eli because I really thought he was going over to wring Randy's neck, right? So as he's walking over, at the same instant, he snaps the lights on. I literally had picked up my textbook, hurled it across the room. I hit the the little latch that held the the pull-down movie screen down, and it hit that thing. So he flips on the lights, and you just see the screen go... And it's flapping around, you know, like in a car. I remember. You know what, Scott? I remember that happening, and I think I remember what happened with that. That is when Yumi and Randy. I think that's when. I think I got split out of that class that day. I think that was like the first or second day of class. That's I. Because he was steamed about that, and then I got moved into the other class. And then he was bitching about it in the other class because the clasp on it was broken and he was just, you know, and, and of course by that, by within five minutes of class getting out, the story starts spreading. After that, somebody had to hold down, hold it down for the rest of the movie. And it wasn't you either. That's the funny thing about it is it was some poor sucker who just, he knew. You see, well, that's the he, thing is when he was going to wring Randy's neck, he was going to wring Randy's neck. And in the old days, he would have grabbed Randy and chucked him across the room and mm. kicked his ass. Right. But he couldn't do it anymore. But that impulse was still there for him. And well, I think that's what we loved the most. The funny thing was, was then he, he got one of those looks like, you know, the master sleuth about to solve the crime, you know. Right. He walks over and he picks up my textbook off the floor, and I could see everybody kind of like, oh, shit, you know. So he, op- you know, he picks it up off the floor and folds it, you know, puts it back together. Then he opens it to the front page where we all would have to write our names inside the textbooks. Well, I already beat him to the punch because I'd already written Dufo de Manzo in every <laughs> single textbook of that class so they all right. said the same thing he had no idea <laughs> whose textbook it was. No. let me just say something about just in high school and middle school just for Scott and I the, the word science book would elicit <laughs> uncontrollable laughter because in Eli's class when you walked in the door to your left would be this ta- just this table area covered with textbooks <laughs> and everybody would come and get a textbook and they were the most thoroughly graffitied <laughs> and <laughs> just every single page 
every single page had mustaches and you know scott you did just you did ones that were like cartoons you know you had word balloons coming out of people's <laughs> people's mouths and stuff and there was a lot of jokes about nose picking and feet and faces <laughs> and well plus i had no qualms whatsoever that when a paper war broke out if i was short on paper i just tear pages take a out page of out of the <laughs> science book yeah because there was no responsibility and very quickly everybody realized you didn't even get sent to the principal's office. Eli would not send you to the principal's office because, you know, you could tell the principal that he kicked your ass or that he slapped you. Right. And if, and if the principal asked the class, they'd probably lie about it too and go, oh, yeah, he whacked him in the head, you know, or whatever. And uh, Well, the p- most pissed I think I ever personally made him with me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I was, was I remember. story. Oh, okay, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I'll let you tell it because I, th- <laughs> I think I know the story that this is going to be. I don't know what I did specifically to get thrown out in the hall. But he yes. actually grabbed by the scruff of the fucking neck and threw me out into the hallway, right? So then he goes out behind me, closes the door behind me, and he's like bitching right in my face, right? You stand right here until class is over, and I'm going to deal with you, Mr. So, you know, Randy and I both had this smart-ass routine worked out with him, really, really down to a science. So he's going, you stand right here. And I go, over there? No, I want you to stand right here. Over there? No, I want you to stand right. Okay, all right, mister. I'll be right here when you come back. So, you know, of course, you know. Scott, I remember this this happening. So this must have been when we were still in the same class, too, because you were standing right outside the girl's (laughs) bathroom. Right. So he's, you know, so he finally, all right, well, I'll deal with you when class is over. And he storms back in and slams the door behind him. And I can hear him go back in there. And he's just ranting and raving like a lunatic back <laughs> in the classroom. Well, of course, you know, the class still had probably the bulk of the class time still left. Because I'm sure this happened early in the in the <laughs> class. Long story short, the the bell rings in the class. And everybody empties out. of you know, And I'm picturing this in my mind's eye, of course. But, you know, the class ends, the bell rings, everybody filters out. Eli's the last one and comes out in the hallway, and Scott's nowhere to be found. <laughs> so he eventually tracks me down. I'm in the library, kicked back, reading some reading a book. book. <laughs> and he comes storming down there. Well, he what, what, what you don't mention is when he was like, you stand right here, and he came back into class, we all looked out and watched you just do that, like... You kind of walked like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, that sort of <laughs> dude, dude, dude. You sort of were doing that walk, and you just walked away just, instantly. As soon as he, as soon as he oh. came in the door, yeah, he, you were just like, okay. And everybody in the class was just like. <laughs> you see, it might have been you that got kicked out of that class. You see, he came down there, and he was... <laughs> he pulled the classic, uh, I thought I told you, and I was like, oh, <laughs> oh okay, I, I'm sorry, I misunderstood you. And it's like, what was there to misunderstand about stand right here, you know? <laughs> yeah, he just probably was assuming that you were the stupidest person in the world at that point, that's all. <laughs> I think that was 
that was his biggest problem was that he always assumed well we're just idiots because we act thing. like like a you know like a proto beavis and butthead and but well, actually, well we're just <laughs> acting stupid so we could get away with more shit well the thing is uh, <laughs> not just acting stupid but uh, this came up in the hesh episode where where randy would like get hesh riled up and then smooth him out you guys did the same thing with eli <laughs> yes you would you would you would be real nice to him you would come up and be like eli i have a question on my module and you would like legitimately ask a question and he would be like oh oh well they're Good gonna God, be bad. they're gonna be nice to me but meanwhile you guys were just you know setting up the screws every time <laughs> and i'll also mention to everybody that uh, pretty much everybody called him Eli, yes. not Mr. Nutter. Not Sometimes people Nutter. called him Mr. Nutter, but Mr. Nutter was just funny enough to have people saying. But you could just you could call him Eli, and he would be like, "Don't call me Eli," and it's like, <laughs> "Sorry, Eli." You know, that's the way that's the way it goes. You know, it was, it like, was literally that bad. It was like on the old Adventures of Superman show where everybody called Perry White Chief, and he don't don't call me Chief, damn it. <laughs> oh, sorry, Except Chief. that was almost more like good. Yeah, but that was almost <laughs> more good natured. This was just yeah, this was harassment. Well, I think, and I mean the, the ultimate the, play out of the good cop, bad cop routine. And I, again, I wish I could remember. I really wish Randy was here because he probably remembers the shit that he would do specifically to needle him. But he had Eli worked up so bad one day, and this might have been the whole Porky's thing. I can't remember, but he had. Oh, Eli. oh my god! Oh my god! I forgot <laughs> let, about the. I'll Porky let you story. tell that story because I don't remember it very well. But oh my god! He had Eli so pissed. You just blew point. my mind. That he actually, like, literally, Eli, a grown man in, what would you say he was in? Probably his 50s or 60s at that point? Uh, yeah, well, well, not his 60s, but I would say probably 50, 50s? 50, early 50s, probably, early yeah. 50s. So here's this grown man, a science teacher, a respected, or, you know, supposed to be respected person, and Randy, a smartass, what would he have been in 1980? Well, we were 12 or 13 years. So a 13-year-old kid has him so riled that he's literally jumping up and down, stamping his feet on the like ground. Like a little kid. Like a little kid with his feet, ball, or his, yeah, his feet, his fists balled up, jumping up and down. Yeah, teeth this gritted, nutter- face beat red. Beat red. Randy had him that pissed. And he's doing this in the middle of class. So, you know, again... He was doing, doing that so he wouldn't rip in Randy's arm. And, and Eli was a big guy, too. He could probably just have plucked Randy's limbs off like it was he taking was, wings off a fly. Uh, yeah, it wasn't until you really got him pissed and in your face that you realized, holy shit, this guy's huge. Yeah, because he was really big. So, you know, I'm, you know, like I say, we had this this good cop, bad cop routine worked out pretty well. So I start patting Eli while he's jumping up and down. I'm patting him on the back. I'm like, you know, calm down, Eli. Remember your blood pressure. And I no sooner get those words out of my mouth. And you just see this look come over Eli's face. And he's just like, <laughs> he's fucking collapses. It sounds so fake. Oh, it, it sounds does. like right out of a sitcom, man. It but does. I swear. Do you remember that? The day I was not. I was not there. The, I was not in that that class when that when you and Randy did that. But I we were coming to class, 
and saw him getting carted out in the stretcher and Mr. Rivette was our t- like taught opened up the 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 side of the class and had to teach both classes at the same time and we like watched film strips and it was you know it it's so it's funny but it's also horrible to admit that I, I had absolutely no concern for Eli at the time my concern was Oh, we are in this shit. We're gonna get in trouble. Sure. Well, <laughs> you know, we what? came into class and we were just like, "Oh my god, what is? What have Scott and Randy done now?" You know. <laughs> I can't remember how this might. This was pretty late into the 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 you know the class. Our, our class just our classes and people our age just ripping on him. This was like one of the last straws. <laughs> Well, there was no last straw because there was never a repercussion or anything. But that was just never, like never, yeah. never was. He even when he came back because he was gone a long time, or at least you yeah. know it seemed like he was. But when he finally came back, you know he was very cordial and you know oh boys you know and all that. And so it was like ah <laughs> that's right. You know? <laughs> we could get him to that stage where where he would be sort of jovial and jocular. And then Randy would always, would always, you know, diffuse <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> you see, my what I, what happened with me is in middle school age, I was always like sick twice a year with asthma. Total nerd stereotype <laughs> would have asthma attacks in the spring and the fall, and uh, so I would always miss a couple weeks. So I would always sign up for Eli's study hall. Because I knew it was Randy's homeroom. <laughs> yes. You see, because he got the worst dose of Randy because he got him first thing in the goddamn morning for homeroom, you know? <laughs> I'm sure I, I was never there in the morning, but I'm sure roll call was a fucking, was a, was a routine. Uh, you know, maybe I'll tell the Porky's story first. Because that was the first just Randy tearing him just tearing him up ridiculous i mean there's no teacher in the world that would not seem to have the dignity to get fall into this trap you know what i mean <laughs> but um randy did the good cop and was like oh so mr nutter blah 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 you know what'd you do last night and he's like oh we are uh, the family and i went to the movies and randy's like yeah, you know, I saw you guys in the car going to the Black River Drive-In. And he's like, that's not where we went. And he's like, yeah, that, you know what's playing there? Porky's. You took your wife and your kid to see Porky's? I did not. And, and he was just like, why would you do that? That's, you know, that's not an appropriate... And just... And ten minutes into it, Eli was like, I did not... <laughs> go to see Porky's and Randy's like do not lie to me do not lie to me Eli you were taking your wife and your kids to see Porky's that's an R rated movie I think that's technically illegal What did, did, did you cover little Eli's eyes during the nudity and stuff and and we also knew his wife's name, which was Rose. And Randy was, you know, you know, you took Eli and Rose to see that movie. That's that's disgusting. I, what if the what if all the other teachers heard about that? You know, 
You should have taken him to Watertown, taken him to a Disney movie. Instead, you take him to Porky's. I did not. I saw you. You did not see me. I saw you in your car with your wife and your kids pulling into Porky's. Why are you lying to me? And on and on and on with the class sitting in stunned silence. <laughs> a combination of stunned silence and trying not biting their tongues, trying not to laugh ridiculously. Because, of course, at that time, Porky's was the filthiest thing you could think of. Right. To, even though it's the same director as a Christmas story. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, you know, Randy was good at that. He was good at, at, at doing that, just badgering yeah, but, but, thing but, where, like, he didn't it even hear your slow. denials, you know? He just stuck to his, his side Oh, yeah, of it. it was like he was in court. But at the same point, it would get to a point of ridiculousness mm-hmm. to where a te- any normal teacher would go, okay, this guy is just taking control of my class from me right. and Eli let him take control of the class let him he would get his goat and get I him would to say where that he was Eli so never even had control of the class to begin with that was not kind for of one problem. second not for the not from the very first second you're, you're absolutely right I mean in our class we were all the we were all the you know half the kids in my class were in student council and there were a lot of girls in my class, and even the girls would help out with the troublemaking, and would at, at the very at, at the very least wouldn't ride any. Nobody ever got ratted out in Eli's class. See, that was kind of the thing I was I was leading to before with, you know, the the I, I the the best word I can think of is respect. Is where we actually got some respect in that class. Because, like I say, any other class, I, I think you honestly, and I know this happened in other classes where the other kids would really, you know, if you were disruptive or whatever, well, they kind of get on your the case word about, trapped, you know. But in that particular class, I do remember kids that that either previously or or later on wouldn't in, have talked to our, either of us. Yeah, the, the, you know, totally would you know, girls that would give you the cold shoulder and you know the jock douchebags that would just you know sooner give you a wedgie is give you the time of day would be laughing but their asses off they'd be laugh- yeah we'd all kind of gang up together and nobody i don't remember anybody ever getting like ratted out and some like of the we things are the that- world of carthage central high school <laughs> i mean some of the things that were done and i can i can remember there being times where where eli would like hold the class hostage right, you're not going anywhere you little bastards until i find out who squanched my banana you know and shit like that <laughs> Right. <laughs> Every day. And yes, we have no bananas. We have no bananas today. And nobody would 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 rat anybody out, knowing damn well that it probably meant <laughs> yeah. detention for the whole class. But I think nobody- he had like three periods of three or four classes that were all trying to get the banana in his. He had a bag lunch that he would have a banana <laughs> every day. <laughs> And we try and hide that banana in his chair. Well, I remember walking in one time. We walked, and you know, I always imagine that if if this ever became a movie, it would be this shot of like from Eli's desk aiming at the door, and the door opens, and we come walking in all in slow motion, like the right stuff. But you get music like, you know. But I can remember walking in. And, uh, and somebody would like pick up his bag lunch off his desk 
and just casually heave it over the divider into Mr. Rivette's room. He can hear somebody on the other side go, Jesus Christ. He, 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 I got in trouble once and he put me in the back room where, where I found his bag lunch and I sunk everything to the bottom of the fish tank. It was like bologna and cheese sandwich and his banana. Will Howard was oh, I w- a main. He Will Howard did in a lot of Eli's bananas. Well, wasn't Will Howard also the one that picked up the the waste paper basket and, and heaved it into the other room? He chucked it into Mr. Rivette's room, and Mr. Rivette, who looked sort of like a white-haired Danny De- DeVito, a little Bob Hoskins Danny DeVito <laughs> yeah. guy, you know, in a in a white button like Eli was in a suit. But but Mr. Rivette was one of those like white button up shirt and just like slacks guy, and he was just known as a sort of easygoing guy. He came in and read Eli the riot. I, even when our class threw something into into another teacher's class, and we were all sitting right there privy to this too. This wasn't like it happened behind closed doors between two teachers privately. Rivette comes storming and he's like in the middle of class. Damn it. Out of his class, he left his class and came into our class and was like, Get control of your kids, Eli, your students. I don't care what goes on in your room, but it can't be spilling into my room. I will not have that kind of chaos, you know. Which to us, I remember it was like you could look around and you could see little light bulbs going ding, ding, ding. That, okay, he has no respect even in the teacher's lounge. You know, the other teachers don't respect him any more than the kids respect him. There was this also horrible thing in our scheduling of middle school called the split period where where you would be in in Eli's room for like 20 minutes and then the lunch bell would ring. And you'd go and eat lunch and then you'd come back. Well, there was always that middle period in between before going and stuff when Eli wasn't in the room and you could get... We would fucking run as fast as we could from lunch and okay what would happen is it would be just we would we would he, he would be like okay we're watching a film strip today and the film strip would be you know this is old school so it'd be a film strip machine and it would be or, and it would be an old school school industrial record player with this old beat up record that would play along with the with the film strip and beep every time you had to turn it. Well, you know, when he would set it all up and he'd pull the screen down, he'd turn the light off, he'd start up the film strip player, and fucking somebody would kick out the plug to it. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Nutter. And then they'd fiddle around and like, can you turn the light on? And he'd turn the light on, they'd plug it back in. And then, you know, just a bunch of other shit. We would stall and get like maybe like two minutes into the film strip and then <laughs> lunchtime off to lunch and then you eat lunch go outside and like play but you'd play really close to the door and then when the bell rang again run into Mr. Nutter's class <laughs> run up flip the record over because on the other side was the same thing but without the beeps then you would take your pens and go and just scratch the hell out of the record <laughs> Take the film strip out, flip it upside down and backwards, and feed it back in, <laughs> and unplug everything. <laughs> Just fucking wait for the fun to begin. <laughs> start up that. <laughs> start up that film strip player. And it would, 
And it would be upside down, and he'd stop, and he'd be like, very funny, very funny, very funny. And he would flip it all back around, you know, it would start all over again, no beep. And... And 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 Mr. Nutter wasn't the one turning the film strip. It would always be some girl who was sitting next <laughs> right. to the film strip, thing, and she'd be trying to figure out when to flip it. And he'd be like, "Turn it now!" And she'd be like, "Backwards and no forwards." And <laughs> the record would skip because we just put gutters in it, just gouges. <laughs> the and, funniest instant of that I can ever remember was that this was oh. after like 50 times of this happening over the course of the school year. And every was time one, there was a film, right, film Every strip single time there was a movie. film strip. So I remember this one time where Randy was already working Eli pretty good because he kept fucking kicking the plug out. <laughs> At some point when Eli had gone to flip the lights back on, I had flipped the record over to the no-beep side. So he turns the lights back off, and by that point, everybody was looking at each other like, okay, we got, we managed to successfully sabotage this film strip. So we'd, you know, we'd restart the movie, and it was like every three seconds, we'd go, boop, and turn the fucking film strip. So we're like 10 minutes into the film strip, and the fucking film strip's over, and the record had barely begun, and he like gets fucking pissed. He walks over and cuffs the needle off the record, and picks up the record, and fucking breaks it over his knee, and he goes, we won't have any more goddamn film strips. It was the funniest shit I'd ever seen. He just like wung these these two broken halves of the I know in every other class it would be ooh in his class if it was ooh it was that sarcastic like whoa dude fell <laughs> out man <laughs> <laughs> Oh Oh shit Oh I'm in pa- I'm I'm literally in pain right now. My head is in throbbing in pain. Oh my god! Uh, we we were merciless. Well, it reminds well, me. Remember, Mr. Jones? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, kind of vaguely. Theodore well, Jones. What got me laughing about the broken, the broken thing with the lunch? I had forgotten about that. Was you know on the tops of all the the seated area, you know, the, where there was a chair at this stupidly designed. <laughs> classroom of his were nozzles, gas nozzles for the Bunsen burner. Remember? Mm-hmm. So we could actually set up fire experiments in that class. Wonderful. Yes. You know, brilliant idea. Well, you know, at some point or other, we would figured out that Eli was a smoker. So I'll never forget the year that we, or you know, the year, the uh, day we come walking back in after we'd all managed to, you know, leave just a tiny bit of the gas going, you know, because you turn them on and that that room would just fucking stink again. Yeah, well, it would be going, you know, well, too. 
we had managed to just, you know, because he, he got smart to us doing that after a while, turning the gas things on, because he'd really raise hell with you if he caught you turning them. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, killed everybody. <laughs> he has a point on that one, yes. But we, we had managed to figure out to where you could just kind of sneak it just a little bit to where it was leaking just a little bit of gas. But it was Some like, of them were leakier than others. Yeah, well, we had done it to basically every one of the gas things where they were all leaking, but you couldn't really detect it, you know, because they didn't look like they had been moved, and you couldn't hear that, that hiss that they would make when they were fully opened up. So we're walking back down the hallway at the end of the lunch period and we just about get to Eli's room and the door was standing open to Eli's room and all of a sudden you hear this woof woof yeah. <laughs> fucking ball of flame shoots out of the doorway and we all come running down there and there's Eli standing there and I can't remember what he really looked like but over the years my mind has has created this image of like Wiley Coyote with like a oh yeah that happened. To, we did that to my mom with an exploding cigarette when we were when we were kids. It was her face wasn't black, but the cigarette was curled up, you know, like like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. But yeah, no, that's not quite. It wasn't. It, it yeah, it wasn't like nothing was. There was no fire and smoldering. <laughs> right, smoldering smoke coming up, but he was pretty fucking pissed it scared the shit out of him i think i think he was too (laughs) but i think it had scared the shit right out of him because there was this giant fireball well at the same time i'm sure he wasn't supposed to be smoking in there either and on his on his break and and no wonder he was a smoker it's making me want to smoke just thinking about him and uh speaking of the 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 boop story reminded me of mr jones was this English teacher who was basically he looked like Mr. Hand from um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, my favorite Martian but he was a super wimpy version of him and he was deaf he wore a hearing aid And wait a minute, who's the guy I'm, th- I'm thinking of kind of a a heavy set dude that's Mr. Jones of middle school okay, that's a, right, he, right, he looks yeah. like Alex Jones the the yes. conspiracy theory guy that's what Mr. Jo- that Mr. Jones this Mr. Jones yeah. was a little sk- skinny older guy with a Sigmund Freud beard and mustache and he sort of looked like my favorite Martian and he was very quiet and very meek and very deep and whenever he we would he would ask us multiple choice <laughs> questions we'd always answer G and he'd go B, and we'd go G, and he'd go C, correct. <laughs> I had totally forgotten about that. What the hell? Class he always was used that? to act out Casey at bat every year. He used to. That's do, right. He would. He. It was. What class horrifying. was that? English. Damn, I had completely forgotten about that guy. Mm-hmm. The Another other Mr. Jones. Here, here's just to tell you how how my screwy memory works. I had totally put the other Mr. Jones out of my mind, too, until just this moment. You know what I remember best about him? Hmm. I remember sitting in, in his either a class or homeroom in his room with you, and we were looking over Star Wars. I think it's number 34. It's the one that where, the, where they go back to tattooing, and it has Luke and Han and Chewie on the cover running away from the, the sand crawler. Uh-huh. Remember that story we did? Uh-huh. I can remember reading that issue in his class. He He gave me... Two omnibuses full of the original Star Trek comics 
the captain's logs, volume one and two. That were all those old, he he was just like, here, you like comic books and Star Trek here, or take these home with you. And I was just like, wow. Yeah, I remember him being a pretty cool guy. He was really cool. He fucking, he did a Darth Vader on me. And rightly so, I was being a little prick. Remember Rhonda Ferris? Yeah. I hated Rhonda Ferris. We're friends on Facebook now. Can you believe that shit? eh, I can believe it. And somebody, somebody, it was another girl drew up a petition and wanted to get Rana Ferris kicked out of our class and gave me the petition. And Mr. Jones was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm signing a petition to kick Rana Ferris out of our class. And he grabbed me by the throat and walked me to the end of the class through the debt, like knocking desks down. He did that to this kid, Jeff Scott, before too. And uh, he got pit like pissed. It was just like... He's just like, that is cruel. Actually, he had a point, but he flipped out. He was the guy who told me, he he told me that I, he's the first guy who told me I needed uh, a secret identity, you know. uh, So he, he noticed I drew a lot, so he called me the Mad Scribbler. And then Mike McMahon was my sidekick, Bucky. And George Clark became the Claw. And he used to make this, like, pitchfork claw design, which sort of became the... the I, I thought the claw... The, the coolest thing the claw ever did <laughs> was one day he cut his finger on something and it was bleeding. So he would walk behind girls with white shirts and, and draw the claw and blood on the back of their shirts. <laughs> he was a little bastard. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> but uh, back to Eli... <laughs> Another Randy story is when you know I was saying earlier I would I would get sick twice a year with with asthma so I would fall behind and I would always make sure because at, at study hall I would I would be like I need to go to the science study hall to catch up there because I knew Randy was homeroom in Eli so I knew that if I did study hall there you know that there would be big trouble. But whenever I would come in there for study hall, Eli would be just like, oh, no, you're sitting over here. You know, I'd sit down next to Randy. Oh, no, you're sitting over here. You're sitting over here and no talking, just doing work. And that's when I I saw Randy just another. Yeah, it wasn't quite as bad as the Porkies, but it was just one of those battle of wills type of things that he would always do with Eli where. uh he just walks up and he's like, Eli, I, I think I got a cold. Do you have a tissue? Oh, no. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, Randy. And he'd, like, reach down into his into his drawer and pull out a box of tissues. And he's just like, he's like, I got to blow my nose. And he'd be like, well, all right, be quick about it, you know. And Randy would, like, <laughs> slowly pull the tissue out and, like, flip it around and put it up to his nose and then go, Huh? Huh? Just like that. <laughs> I'm not doing like you know. He's blowing his. He was. He would literally just go, huh? And then <laughs> not <laughs> put a drop in the tissue, wad it up and throw it <coughs> in the garbage, and then slowly <laughs> reach for another tissue and pull it out. Huh? <laughs> well, this is another one of those things where 
he just kept growing this and growing this to the point where I can remember going to homerooms at the end of the day and watching him walk up and take basically the entire box in one go <laughs> and just blow his nose into it. You know, and like you say, it was a fake blow, which nobody was fooled by, but it was just no. hysterical to see him reach in and grab like the entire it was like in your thing face of fake. <laughs> <laughs> and just go, <laughs> and throw it all in the trash. That's a better impression, though. That's a little more accurate. <laughs> you, and the trash would be filling up with just, like, lightly wadded up tissues, you know. <laughs> I don't remember what in the hell inspired it, other than it was just something more he could use to needle Eli. But I remember sitting in class and going through one of the modules and... uh and there was a word in there. And Randy was like, I, I can't remember if Eli read it and then R Randy made him reread it or if Randy picked the word out at random and had Eli read it. But one way or the other, he had Eli pronounce this word. And then after he pronounced it, it was like, I'm sure Eli regretted to his dying day that he ever said this word to Randy because Randy just would not let it go. And it was luminosity. <laughs> and Randy would just sit there and go, lumin. And so, for the entire rest of the school year, at the most inopportune and inappropriate times, <laughs> ran, you know, he'd be right in the middle of a lesson on, on something completely different. And Randy sometimes would get so brazen that he would actually raise his hand, stopping Eli in the middle of a lesson. And he'd go, Yes, Randy. You know, because he knew it was coming. Yes, Randy. Lumen. <laughs> we would all just bust up laughing because it was him just being an asshole. But do you remember coming? Do you remember coming in like before class, like at the lunch break, and going up to those chairs and unscrewing the the backrests to all those chairs? They had that little round backrest, and you could unscrew them right to the last tip of the last thread. And everybody would sit down in the chair, and all the, all the backrests would fall to the floor and go, you know, they were wood and metal. And you got a hell of a racket, yeah, dude. Oh. Well, Randy was also the master. I never figured out exactly how he could do it, but he was the master of the upside-down drawer. Where yes. Eli would come back into the room after the lunch break or whatever, he'd sit down and... Randy would always be, a, again, he was just being a, a little bastard about it, but he would go up and go, oh, Eli, I lost my pen. Can I borrow a pen or something? Yes, Randy. And he'd reach into his drawer and pull it out, and every bit of shit that was in there fall into his lap and put on the ground or into his lap, and he'd just look at Randy with his look like, I'd love to just kill you right now, you know, because he knew damn well Randy had done it. And well, Randy would, I mean, there would be oh. points where he'd be like, that's it, you're going to the office, and Randy would be like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Well, you just sit down and be quiet. Right. Whatever, Eli. Yeah, whatever, Eli. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you remember? Uh, oh, tell another story. I've I got to look up some information real quick before I can tell this story. You, you fill us in on something. Oh, on, on, on Eli. Well, yeah, anything. Tell, tell another story. I got to look something up real quick. <laughs> Well, you know, S Scott and I, we knew that he had a wife named Rose. 
and you know we would write songs we would we would listen to any pop song i can't remember any of the pop songs that we would fit eli and rose into i remember uh eli eli nutter king of the science frontier you're and forgetting uh we knew he had a son little eli there was the uh dunkin donuts jingle that was so popular then <laughs> oh that's right eli nutter you can't, can't buy him in a grocery, grocery store, store. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Eli Nutter, you can't buy him in a restaurant. No, it was. You can't buy him in a grocery store, and then it was. Dun, 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 dun. Eli Nutter, can't buy him in a bakery. I'll sing in Eli Nutter voice. <laughs> can't buy him in a restaurant. <laughs> listen, you, that was another thing you used to say. Listen, listen. listen. Will. Will you listen? <laughs> and the more he would say it, the less we would do it, too. Um, ah, damn it. I'm trying to find this. <sighs> well, he had a he had a little kid named Little Eli who was a pudgy little kid. <laughs> little Eli. Little Eli. And, no, and, we, and I don't know if we picked... Maybe the kids younger <laughs> than us might have picked on Little Eli because he was a little chubby kid, but I never heard anything like that. But all I remember once was this was down at your house on like on West End Avenue and uh, there was like a parade going by and ahead of the parade little Eli was riding on his bike and he had to be like 10 years old or something and he was just like riding ahead of the bike at the parade and he was all like excited and he didn't know who we were but we knew who he was (laughs) and we were like Hey, little Eli, little Eli, and he looks over at us, and we start waving, and we're like, "Hey, little Eli," and he starts waving at us, and he's just like, "Hi, hi," and he's like waving like he's in a parade. Boom! Right through a light pole. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only thing I remember about little Eli. I'll forget one of the, or never forget rather, one of the rare times. We ever saw Eli outside the of wild class, Eli outside Nutter. of school. The and free range Eli Nutter. He actually came into the cigar shop where we used to buy our comics at. And I, I'm trying to remember how it happened. If we were already in there and he walked in, I, it seems to me like he was already in there and we walked in. We were coming from Walt Hadley's house and we were walking up on the comic shop. And That's we saw right. him getting out of his car. That's and right. Going into the comic shop, and we were like, "Oh, we got him cornered." <laughs> <laughs> so we go running toward him, hollering and screaming like maniac, "Eli, Eli!" And I remember him dropping whatever it was that was in his hands, like I don't know, a paper or groceries or some damn thing. And doing that classic stance of the startled man, you know, with you know, like yeah. your hands spread out and your, you know, your headlights. Yeah, you know, just that total frozen terror look. He drops what was in his hand and runs. And again, this is a 50-something-year-old, huge, grown man, scared of two asshole teenagers, you know? Running for his life, basically. Running for his life, yeah. Runs for his life to his car, jumps in squeals out and i can imagine he didn't even look for like traffic or anything and tears and ass out of there it's not like you and i were teenage thugs or anything like that we were goofballs right. we didn't play sport i was on the i i would be on the tennis team one day okay that's a, that's about <laughs> as far as it would go 
you know. <laughs> I mean, this wasn't Scott back from the military or anything. This was, no, you know, I we were just too... I was chubby and you were gangly. Yeah, I'm glad you... Yeah, that, yeah. this was not us, like, physically threatening to, like, kick his ass. <laughs> no, I got my just being bottle glasses on and... Yeah, this was us just being stupid. You've got to open the image I've just sent you, because this is where this next story's going. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me see. I got a... Oh, there'll be some... I found it. Here it comes. <laughs> yes! Yes, right. this was one of my first Photoshop jobs before yep. Photoshop. It sure oh was. Oh my god, I forgot all about this. Alright, for those of you playing along at home, we are looking at the cover of, <laughs> of Amazing Spider-Man number 230, where it says, To fight the unbeatable foe, and it's a tiny Spider-Man swinging at this giant, huge face of the juggernaut, but I swear when he got pissed this is what Eli looked like we took this one and, and photocopied it and made yep. it into like Spider-Man versus Eli Nutter <laughs> oh my god, I would. Lo I wonder what happened to that, oh my uh, god and it was where, where on the word balloon where it says to fight the unbeatable foe, you had replaced it with the words versus Eli Nutter yeah <laughs> and we had made like a million. Oh my god, that's right! Copies of this and put them up like <laughs> everywhere. everywhere. Holy <laughs> shit, I forgot all about that. <laughs> and not just us, but we gave them to all the kids. Yeah, they were everywhere. That was probably how we got the idea for the Harry Palm by high school. We were probably like, yep. hey, that went over really well. Everybody was hanging. We were like, here, hang these up. And people were putting them up. Everywhere. I can remember for the entire rest of the school year, every once in a while you'd open up like a random science book or something, and there was one of those there flyers. Was one of those just sitting in it. <laughs> That's right. I ran them all off at my dad's store. Yep. On his, because he had a photocopy machine. Yep. Holy jeez. I forgot all about that. All about that. What made you remember <laughs> that? I don't know. Something you said just just jogged a memory. I was oh, like, "Oh my!" That's gonna I've... be that's gonna be a screen screensaver a, <laughs> a background on my computer from after this point. Oh my god, that's awesome! Damn, I had another another Eli story, and now I forgot what it was. But I think I pretty much hit the the main ones that that I remember because well, the the film strip thing was was that was that was the things I always used to like best in his room was. When we do film strips, and we'd occasionally even watch like an actual movie, and it was every single damn one of them was some old, just ancient science thing with Gaylord Nelson, and I only remember that because we found that name to be absolutely hysterical, Beavis and Butthead style. Yeah, exactly. We would just laugh and laugh over Gaylord Nelson. So I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that name so long as I live. But those movies were just terrible, and so. Actually, having a movie on was even better than the film strip because it, you know there was no participation involved. You know, it was just he he dimmed the lights, put the movie on, and then he would go do whatever. And it was like, 
you know, okay, free for all, and it would just paper fights would. I mean, it would just get crazy to the point where half the time we wouldn't make it through the movie because he'd end up so pissed that he'd put the lights back on and just turn the movie. <laughs> well, you know, the thing about Eli's class was that was our last year of middle school, and we learned so much that we took with us into high school. Oh my god! To to, to harass because there was no other teacher like Eli in high school. But there were a lot of little mini Eli's. There were, there were, you know, Scott and I actually in high school, on that rare occasion, we had a social studies class together, and our social studies teacher was the mayor of our of our town. Oh my God! Warren yeah. Kenahan. We used to call him Captain Ke- Kenahan. We used to call him King of Carthage, and he was a, he was a good-natured, doofy guy. He was boring as hell. Yep. Now, wasn't he the one we wrote the word freak on the chalkboard? <laughs> it wound up in the yearbook. In the yearbook, yes. a, a fr- freak. with a, We used to write stuff with an arrow pointing down, <laughs> so he would sit in class with the word freak. And I think the guy half the time saw it and was just like, I'm not going to give him that. But when we... We started out that class. I think it was the first two days. We were th- this. This'll be another storytellers about this guy Charlie Champagne. But we were in class with this guy Charlie Champagne, who'd been out of school. He was a year ahead of us, but he'd been out of school for a while. He'd been held back a grade because he'd been in jail for <laughs> a crime wave. Anyway, but he was a really doofy. He was doofy like Scott and I, and he was also hyper intelligent. And we're Scott and I were just talking the other day about how in that class, like the first day of class, we were in the back. Like Scott and I are putting our faces in the desks and going <laughs> and making <laughs> snorkeling noises. Chuck has his shoe off and is eating his shoe. Like <laughs> maybe no, I think he just grabbed his leg and like pulled his shoe up to his mouth and started. Yeah, he was Pull he was tearing chunks out of, off the rubber part of his of his shoe. Yeah, his, yeah. And so Mr. Kenahan knew that it was going to be bad. He actually called my dad up once after a particularly bad day of Scott and I, and said, "You know, <laughs> your son's a goofball." I I just want you know. My father's like, "Did you know your uh, social studies teacher called the mayor of the town called me to tell me that my son was a goofball." <laughs> I said, yeah, we're pretty goofy in that class. I we think, is- was, am I wrong in, in thinking that ninth grade was the last time we were ever together in classes? Because I think after that year, they got wise and they I didn't think, do it Yeah, again. I think it pretty much didn't work Because I think that was that. also Musa Hall, Musa Hall. Was, was that year, too. But uh, going back to, to Kenahan, see, the thing was about Kenahan was that we just I like to mess with him not out of any sense of like I didn't like the guy or any sense of malice it was just because he was fun because he was so damn stupid you know or not even so so much stupid as I think he, he for played one thing, he was he was functionally illiterate which was hysterical no, that's Mr. Stop Oh that's right you're right that's I, Dick I am Stop well, which was the one where every single day I figured out a new way to get his phone off the hook and he never caught That was caught Mr. Kenahan. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's where I remember you took two wads of paper and and stuck them in the, the hook on it, and it was a wall-hanging phone. And yep. when you picked up one of those phones, it rang down in the office. That was how you <laughs> called the office is you just picked up the phone and it automatically went bang, down in the office in this obnoxious noise. And uh, so we would just, 
prop up two pieces of paper, hang up the phone, and it would be like going down at the office, and they, and they would be answering it going, yes, yes, and nobody would be answering it. And they'd probably hear like the class sort of quietly talking in the background or whatever. So then the way they would communicate is they would talk right over the PA into his class and be like, you know, Mr. Kenahan, are you trying to call us? And he's like, no, the phone is the phone's on the hook, you know. And they're like, well, it's ringing down here. And, you know, I don't know what the pro. And he'd go over and then the pieces of paper would fall out. And he'd be like, oh, very funny, guys. And we, I mean, we uh, at first we would just like take the phone and just dangle it and run out the door at the end. <laughs> Throw it in the trash can. <laughs> in the trash can, that's right. At the end of every period. And he got wise to that and would be waiting at the door at the end of every class so we could do that. So we had to figure I'll out different ways. That, that one day, <laughs> I thought he was going to beat my ass. Right, sat there and meticulously and painstakingly tore this this piece of paper into the tiniest the shreds I could possibly tear it into, and right in the middle of class, I just go, "Happy birthday!" <laughs> yeah. and threw it into the into the air conditioner. And that the, shit. We had these. We had these like side. <laughs> side-loaded air conditioner heater things that were just fans that blew up and if you sat next to him you could mike cross learned how to take a pen and take a pen apart and make it like a rocket and you drop it and it would just hit the tip of the spinning blade and shoot up and stick in the ceiling (laughs) just Uh, imagine a man being in the middle of a a teaching in the middle of a a lesson and some asshole goes happy birthday birthday, like frosty the snowman in that stupid cartoon and and do you remember how we would take the pieces of he just gave me this long suffering look uh, i'm just like oh jesus yeah he was just like are these kids really it was beavis and butthead (laughs) It was the teachers reacting to Beavis and Butthead. I'm just like, really? Are they that stupid? Well, and remember was- how we would take the little pieces of paper and stuff them down into those blowers, and they well, would yeah, sit up I at got the away top. With that one time is after doing that so brazenly, where he knew I did it because I did it right in the middle of class. Then not long after that, I stuffed a piece of paper down into there, so it rattled the entire friggin' class just sitting in there, right, just right, but, around making but, a racket. So he finally figured out a way to get it out of there. And you remember him threatening me? He was like, "If I unravel this and it's got your name on it, I'm gonna blah blah blah." And I don't remember. <laughs> it. I don't think he said like beat your ass or whatever, but he was pissed. He was pissed. So he, t- he took it out of there and opened it up. And it had somebody else's name on it, but I had actually put it down in there. So, well, well, I, then you went to like just putting little teeny pieces in there, and they would sit at the top. But then you could stick your book on it, and then they would all go down and go in there. But the greatest Mister Kenahan ever, ever. It was just after Christmas time. And I had gotten one of those stupid... Somebody in my family had gotten one of those stupid Christmas cards with the electronic noisemaker in it. Yeah. yeah, and it did a little medley of Christmas songs in really bad, you know, lo-fi sound. And I took it out of the card, and I clipped the little piece of plastic on it so it was just playing. And we took it, and we got into Mr. Kenahan's class just before class, and we got up on a desk... 
and they had these long light fixtures that ran the the length of the room and they had um, fluorescent lights in them suspended lights yeah. yeah and so we took that thing and just dropped it down so it fell underneath the fluorescent light and was just inside of there and the sound you could not tell where it was coming from and it was just jingle bells jingle bells and he could not get anything done that entire class because every time there was a lull in in his conversation you would just hear and he would just give this look like well the class would just go so finally about halfway through the class he's like that's it we're getting to the bottom of this and he started going desk to desk to everybody looking at of course to Scott and I first and had us open up our desk and we are like sure look, take a look in there yeah <laughs> and so he goes all the way around finally the sound is obviously coming from over the head of Charles Petty who <laughs> was this dead silent you know he we couldn't get him Last to talk nerd. to you yeah he was very nerded out very in his own world he looked like Mr. Spock he was always reading Star Trek books and he had a very nasally high-pitched voice and was obviously very self-conscious and just wanted everybody to leave him the fuck alone all the time, whether it was a teacher or a student. <laughs> so he's the last one, and Mr. Kenahan stops at his desk. And Charles is sitting there like Spock, just staring forward, and Mr. Kenahan looks at him, and Charles just slowly looks up and looks Mr. Kenahan in the eye. And Mr. Kenahan's like, Charles? Yes? Is the noisemaker in your desk, Charles? No. May I look in your desk? Yes. And he goes to the desk and... And at some point he just gave up. He just gave up and started writing stuff up on the board and was like, Copy this down! And, uh... I I heard tell it went through the next the class and into a, yeah and into the classes after that <laughs> had one of those watch batteries you know it was basically built onto a watch battery so <laughs> no Mr. Staub was the guy who looked like Morton Downey Jr. and couldn't yep. spell to save his life you and I were keeping a notebook full of his. The one I remember the most was him trying to spell Mediterranean Sea. And he had the book in his head. He was writing it on the board. And he, <laughs> he ended up, he's like, Medi- he was trying to say it. And he was having trouble saying it. Mediterranean, Mediterranean. And he ends up just writing Mediterranean. Mediterranean Sea. And I remember you, Mr. Smartass, raising your hand and going, is Mediterranean right? Isn't it Mediterranean? And he's just like, just write it down. <laughs> And we're just like, well, I'll add that one to his list. And we had pages and pages of just the horrible. And he was one of those teachers who always said, ain't this and that. And, you know, and would rant and rave. And uh, who the hell was it? Because I, over the years, I have trouble remembering the exact story of who did it. Where we were in the middle of class and he called on somebody to answer a question. And they just looked at him and go, 
Hey, that, was like, that was you. Was it me? That was you. He goes, Mr. Gardner, what, how large is the Mediterranean Sea? I. And he goes, and he goes, R. R, Mr. Gardner, R. R. What does R mean? Which, of course, is making you just go fucking haywire. R. What what am I supposed to make of R? R R R What should I say that to you now? R R R R Is that funny? R R R R And you're just like I'm sure you're thinking, yes, that is the fucking funniest thing I've seen today. I'm about to pop a blood vessel, I'm laughing so hard. Uh, <laughs> he was also the one if I'm if I'm remembering right. Right near the end of the school year, there was Dick Stob. Dick Stob. We were walking down the hall, and it was just like mobbed with people. And I'm right behind him. Like, like, if I was any closer, I'd be in front of him. And I wadded up a piece of paper and nailed him point blank. In the I back. forgot about <laughs> that. You just head. fucking lamb pasted <laughs> him point. <laughs> Blank. I forgot about this. This was at the end of the day, and you figured you could get running for the bus. <laughs> you would do that shit where it would just be like, did he just fucking just bounce that right off the back of his fucking head? And so it- what I did was as soon as he started to whirl around to see who had nailed him, I whirled around too, and I was like, who the hell did that? You started yeah, rubbing the back of your head. bastard fell for it. <laughs> and you fucking just, I mean, you just clocked it right off his head, too. Oh, I just, my God. I, I always had that face <laughs> and that look where, where people just didn't want to believe that I was a complete hellion. So I, I just used it every every once in a while. I would use it to my benefit. See, I know I can picture right in the part of the that was right across the hallway, was where Mister, was where Mister Linebacker had his office. <laughs> Mister Linebacker, <laughs> and he was another one. We never even talked to him or knew him, but we used to make his life. We used to. We used to frighten the hell out of him. That was Mr. Leindecker, right? That we used to yeah. yell science well, at? He didn't, we didn't know him or never spoke to him because he was the head of the... What the hell did they call it back then? Did they call it special ed? I think they called it special... It was where all the... the yeah, 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 yeah. Kids would get sent to. And we'd walk by his room every day and do, just for one sole purpose. And this guy literally did look just like the science guy from... The, the she blinded me with science video. Oh, yeah, his he hair was all you. And we would walk by there on, on our way to and from other classes or to the lunchroom or whatever. And every time we'd walk by that room, we'd duck our head and go, Science! And run like hell. As loud as we could. But you would see him just literally jump out of his skin. <laughs> jump. And like sometimes he would try and, ant- and after a while, you know, it became a game because he would try to anticipate it, you know. And so we were, you know, would have to, like, catch him at, you know, we would have to break our pat. We'd have a pattern, and then we'd have to break our pattern and start a new pattern. And 
always kept him on their toes. We were he he laid in wait for us a couple of times because I can remember a couple of times coming around that corner intending to stick my head in there, and he would be standing <laughs> right there, and it would be like, oh shit, and you'd just have to keep, go, just, yeah. keep moving. Who was the? Remember that really, really effeminate substitute guy we would get. He was like, he was kind of like borderline creepy guy. He was he was a substitute that would come in every once in a while. I want to say it was like Mr. Amy or something like that. Mr. Amy was, was the gym teacher. Okay, now this this was somebody different. But he was one of those like I don't even know how to describe him. All, all I know is he was very effeminate. Like, back then, this was, like, how you would figure, like, like closet homosexuals looked or something. You know, he, he just had that, like, in his spare time, he was a struggling author or something look about it, the way he dressed and everything. I don't know. It's hard to, hard to paint a picture of what this guy looked like. But we did not like this guy at all. And he would come in to substitute every once in a while, and we would give him no end of grief. And I can remember him being the one that he pissed me off so bad that I threw a Pepsi can. While he was, he had his back turned to us, and he was writing on the blackboard, and the Pepsi can, like, bounced off the blackboard and, like, hit him in the, I think it was in the chest. I have, I'm getting vaguely really remember that. that. I vaguely remember that. I, I can't believe that he didn't like do he really didn't do anything about it i can remember him being really pissed but he never really did anything about it and he had to know it was me because i was the only person sitting in the middle of class drinking a fucking pepsi <laughs> there was this one there was this one i remember this one substitute teacher who's kind of a fat guy he wasn't effeminate but we used to call him itchy balls because he would be talking I think that's the same guy and he would and he he was kind of he was kind of fat and he like, always wore like khakis right yeah like, he always wore like, yeah, ca- like brown khakis yeah, and I can't he remember what his last name is. Nuts all the time. He I was a Vietnam veteran, yeah. and he would always scratch his nuts, and he would always, he would scratch his nuts on the corner of people's. He would like walk up until his nuts, like his crotch, was pushed up against someone's desk, and he would like scratch it. And one day, Will Howard fucking pushed his desk over and nailed him right in the balls, and <laughs> like, and he was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, Mister." It started with an M, and I remember. Um, Doug Barney would fuck with... He was one of those teachers where he was a Vietnam vet and he was a substitute teacher and he would always come in and he'd go, now don't try and mess with me because I have this thing called peripheral vision and he would explain peripheral vision and how he could see it and how he was in Vietnam. And Doug Barney would do stuff like go, did you ever... Were you ever in Da Nang? And he was like, I was in Da Nang in 1972. And he'd be like... Did you ever go up the Putang River and stuff like that? And, <laughs> and this guy would just go, you know, start going off on Vietnam stories, and Doug Barney would be seeing what ridiculous, you know, the you know the Huang Quao and stuff like that. You know, he would just toss stuff out. I remember this one lady that we had. One of our teachers had a heart, Mr. Greco had a heart attack, and she came in, Mrs. It was a really unfortunate name, too. It was a really horrible <laughs> name that ended in ER, and I can't remember what it is. It was almost like Mrs. Bowser or something like that. But it, it what That actually rings a bell now that you say that. And and she she was from Skinny Atlas, and she would always tell us how great Skinny Atlas was, and you everybody would be like, 
blah, blah, blah. What's it like in Skinny Atlas? And we knew we could get her to waste 20 minutes of the class. Right, yeah, we were good at that. And uh, I remember Tony Tahanaka coming in and spitting a green gloober into her coffee. And and we watched... I almost want to say her name was like Mrs. Ralpher. Ralph, I think that was it. It was something like I that. That's it, yeah. And and um and we watched her drink that thing down and sort of go at the end and the whole and like people in the class were like dry heaving and <laughs> to this day, the most disgusting thing I have personally ever seen was in uh it was either Warren's class or Dick Stobbs class. Where, you know, we had those, those I don't have any idea if, if school desks still look like this, but it was, you know, we had the kind of school desk where, you know, it had the top of the desk and then the, the lower part of it was on, you know, four just metal legs. But it was like a, like a cave underneath there where you could store all your books and papers and shit. But it was all made out of cheap, you know, just tin or something, you know, just some cheap-ass metal. And I remember... I don't know what kept me from just sliding my stuff into that desk, but something made me actually look in there, probably past experience, before I sat down at the desk and put all my stuff in there. And there was just a piece of paper, like a piece of notebook paper, sitting there flat in the in the desk. It was the only thing that was in there. And I picked up that piece of paper intending to bring it out. And underneath it was the biggest pool of fucking snot you ever saw in your entire life. Like I thought somebody, you were going to say a turd or something like no, that. No, I mean, it was literally like somebody had, had blown out like their life supply of snot into the desk and put a piece of paper. And it was, I mean, I just wanted to puke. It was the nastiest shit I ever saw in my life. And after that, I never ever put my de- my books inside a desk again. I would always keep them like on the floor or underneath my chair. It was gross, dude. It was, oh my god. It was Just Mr. Kenahan's class that was so boring that I fell asleep with my hand, with my head held up you know, but with my chin in my hands and I was sleeping and drooling all over my desk and I had drooled so much that there was this big like pool of water on my desk and it got so big that my elbows went right out from under me and my head went splash into the water and I woke up like Aah! I remember like, that because to this day every time I see that scene in uh, in Ferris Bueller where the where uh, what's his name uh <sighs> Damn it. Ben Stein is going Bueller. Uh-huh. Bueller. And they, they show around to the different kids, and there's the one with like the angry look that looks like Randy, and then there's the one kid that's sleeping with a big old puddle of spit. That reminds me of being in class with you guys. <laughs> Cause that's what it was like. That that movie is actually very accurate, you know, except for the actual character of Ferris Bueller, which is pretty much bullshit. But a lot of the the, you know, the, the principal in that was our vice principal. They even looked alike. Yeah. They were the Bob, same kind of Bob, prick. Bob, yeah. yeah, he was a complete douchebag, too. I didn't. I had no use for that man he's whatsoever. An, he's another douchebag from high school. Yeah, douchebag. There were a lot of good... There were, we had a lot of good teachers, but, man, the... One of my pro- biggest regrets to this day, you know, I, I really do kick myself for, for both 
the action I initiated and then for not following through was uh, I took my girlfriend at the time, um, Tammy. See, I never went to either of our, of our proms. Did you go to either of our proms? No, I went to the I, losers party. I did too. I had a lot more fun there. Well, I took her to one of her two. I want to say it was her junior prom. And, uh, yeah, it must have been her junior prom, because I remember the later one not being anything to write home about. But I went to the to the prom, her prom, and I I was out of school by that point. I was in the service. Right. And, you know, I, I you know, I had kind of matured a bit, you know, and everything from high school days and all that, and just being more disciplined, you know, being in the service and all that sort of thing. And No, dude, let's just there. put it this way. You went out gangly kid and when went and and the vice principal remembered you as a goofy gangly kid. And when right. you came back you were like working to be an MP and right. had been through basic training and like been eating your Wheaties. Right. So So I you know, I took her to this thing and I you know, I was looking forward to it and all and I knew she was looking forward to it. But there was a certain amount of, of whatever there because I knew that he was going to be there and I wasn't sure what kind of reception I was going to get and everything so anyway I went and I figured well the best way to handle this situation is just diffuse the situation right so I had spotted him across the room and I forget where she went I don't know if she went to use the bathroom or something but for just a moment I was on my own and so I decided well Eventually, there's you know there's going to come a moment where you know even if it was just locking eyes from across a room or something, something was going to happen where I would I would have to deal with this fucking guy, right? So I thought, all right, I'll be the bigger man in this situation. So I walked up and he had his back to me, he was talking with somebody or had just I mean I didn't butt in. I, it's like he had just finished talking with somebody. So I walked up and I was like, Mister Amelia, and he turns around and he gives me this look that you would pretty much expect to see on someone's face if they had just stepped in a pile of dog shit, right? And to this day, I don't know why I didn't clock that motherfucker. You know? I really should have knocked him on his ass because I walked up fully intending, and I think I even had my hand out now that I think about it. I think I had my hand out in a, like, you know, let's shake hands, be friends kind of gesture, you know? I, I had done something other than just call his name. There was something where it was like a gesture of, you know, let's bury the hatchet. When he gave me this look and then he just turns his back on me. And, you know, I'd never be one to clock a man in the back of the head, but it really pissed me off. And, to the, you know, it's funny. Here it is 20-some years later and it still pisses me off, you know? No, that guy and, was uh, a human piece of garbage. He was. He was a complete scumbag. And... and I don't know what bothers me more, the fact that he treated me that way in that situation or the fact that I actually kind of set myself up because I was trying to be nice, which in the long run, he didn't deserve it. He wasn't no. the kind of human being that actually deserved my forgiveness and, and my trying to bury the hatchet. But I, you know, I did. I tried, but it it does. It's, it's really strange how something so stupid all these years later that totally should not even be a memory really has the power to still piss me off that badly you know this guy was our vice principal and he along with this sort of proto Tammy Faye Baker um, guidance counselor lady 
They both sort of showed up at the same time. Remember that? Like a fucking, like a Ray Bradbury, something wicked this way comes story. I don't remember the lady you're talking. Who's the lady you're talking about? I'm trying to remember Mrs. Slaughter. I don't remember her at all. Red hair, super makeup. Hmm. Very, very fake. Anyway, they, between the two of them, they they both sort of started out at the same time and were like, we want to outreach to the kids and, you know, and all this. So they would have rap set, you know, when he was the new vice principal. Um, actually, the first Harry Palm has an article in it with you going, you know, I think this new vice principal guy might be a really nice guy. Remember he came and he sat down at lunch with us or... I remember you and I ended up like eating lunch in his office with a, a, a few other kids and he was just chit-chatting with us and we were like, this guy's kind of okay, you know? I and do not remember that at all. It was, he, the, and, and she was doing the same thing and they would have like little rap sessions and I, I remember you writing like, we got to give this new vice principal a chance, he might be okay. And then it very quickly became obvious that they would just like gather information on people and then use it against them and you know get rumors from one kid and like uh, uh, this kid that we uh, Scott and I both knew Tom Satterley was dating um, I can't remember I I think it was Ann Servini at the time this girl Ann Servini and they were sexually active and she had confided in the guidance counselor about it, or, and the guidance counselor had, you know, in confidence she had s- said something about being sexually active or something. And then, so he got called down to the principal's office out of class and ended up in the, you know, in the office with the vice principal and with this woman. And they're like, we heard you're being, you know, sexually active with your with your girlfriend and the guidance counselor lady's like you know I, we, we want to make sure you're using birth control and all this and and tom who is very kind of like you know i mean he, he and his girlfriend were not dumb people they were having sex and i'm sure they were having safe sex and they were keeping it on the down low you know they were not like being ridiculous about it or whatever he's like well, I kind of guess it's really none of your business what we're doing, you know. It's We're not doing it at school. And then this guidance counselor suggested to him that maybe they might want to think about using anal sex as a form of birth control because that's one that she and her husband often use. And he said, okay, this meeting's over. <laughs> and I saw him two minutes after it happened like wandering down the hallway stunned like um and this guy was not an easily flustered person he was kind of obnoxious and uh you know he didn't know what to say he's like i just i i can't he could not process what had just happened so that was the sort of i and i also remember Amelia saying, I used to be a cop in New York City and the crime and the violence of the school is worse than anything I ever used to see in New York City and and all the students going, really? <laughs> Which made every single one of us doubt, you know, any truth of his story of having been a New York he was. City cop. I have whatsoever. stalked him on the internet and he's a retired New York cop 
now he does all these charities to help like exploited children and stuff like that he does all these like charity runs and stuff to help exploited <laughs> children and he lives guilty down conscience new, maybe new york city yeah i don't know there was something up with him because there was something not right you know it, it was one of those things where pretty much everybody in the school was like oh he's okay and once they st- it, I, it wasn't even something tangible you could put your finger on, but everybody was just like, oh, no, you know. Yeah, he was There's something not right here. There was a lot of that a lot of that going on <laughs> yeah. at our high school. I mean, I, I, I mean, and he hate, and, you know, he, I mean, really, like, you know, Scott described that story. I mean, this guy grew to hate both of us. Hate, hate, hate. Hate, yep. hate, hate. We're, you know, we're, I mean... Um, I, I I will be scanning these and posting these on the on the forum for the brave souls who want to go see them. But that the our senior was it junior or senior year? One of those years, Scott and I got in every yearbook photo that we could. <laughs> Not really the class photos as much, but every club swim. I've got, I I just saw a picture today of the swim team. My sister was on the swim team. And she's in the front row pissed off because you and I are in the back row like you've got your Indiana Jones hat on and I've got this like like cheesy 80s jacket and then like these goggles hanging around my neck but I'm also wearing glasses <laughs> and I've got a hand that says Harry Palm coming up out of the crotch of my pants of my high water pants and you know and my bowl cut haircut and you know and I'm trying to open up my um, my shirt so I could show my belly button and point both my middle fingers at it because that's what I was trying to do in every picture and we would have gotten away with it too except for that goddamn Darren DeVito just became <laughs> really ridiculously you know, there's a picture of him he was dating my sister what got, what got us busted was one of the pictures had him behind my sister and he had his tongue out, and he had both middle fingers pointing at my sister's head, just sort of going like, Aah! and they were like, wait, something's wrong. We better check the rest of these pictures, and started seeing, hey, look, Scott Gardner's in there. <laughs> Chris Honeywell's in there. And it ended up, you actually ended up getting out of this, you bastard. But Darren DeVito and I had to split the cost of... I think the only way the pictures over again. The well, only I was reason I got out of it was that you. I wasn't doing anything in the pictures other than I was You're in just every damn club. <laughs> you were just standing we, we there. Just, I think what we did was we took one of our detention times, skipped detention, but still stayed after school for, ev- I mean, every friggin' club that there was. Well, they had that we picture just, day, remember? You'd yeah. go and you'd take your picture for your class, but there'd be somebody taking a picture over there, and we'd go... Okay, and we just get right in the fucking <laughs> get right in the picture, and the photographer didn't know what the fuck was going on. They were just like, "All right, next club," and we'd still just stay there. And you can see, basically, I've got the pictures, and like all of our friends are in the pictures with us, and you can see them smiling because I've got one with Tom Satterly took his sock and tucked his sock over one of his pants and just did his like, you know. <laughs> mentally challenged off-center eye look and, you know and there's all sorts of guest freaks in it 
But you know, there's one, there's one there with Betsy Phelps, and you can see her just sort of cracking up because you and I are in the background. Just and, and every one of them were going, "Hey." <laughs> I'm sure I'll post a bunch of them. I just found them the other day and was I have. But a- I just remember there being everything from like. You know, from like the swim team Chess to like girls, basket, <laughs> you know, basket and ba- baseball, basketball, something, chess club, every club there was. Club, we were the we only were guys in, in the gir- <laughs> girls' swim team. <laughs> Girl, I've got the picture of Scott and I <laughs> in the girls' swim team picture. <laughs> okay. And the fucking photographer is probably like, I don't know, they're towel boys or something. I don't know, whatever, just... And they had to take all the pictures over again, and everybody was pissed. And we're like, why are you pissed? You get out of class again, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And when, when, when there were negotiations, there were actually negotiations over how the pictures were going to get paid and stuff, and I said... Well, if I'm going to pick, if I, if I pay for the pictures to be taken, then those original pictures that were taken, don't half of those belong to me and half of them belong to Darren DeVito? And he was like, (sighs) yes. And I'm like, well, then when the pictures are taken over, can I have those pictures? And he's just like, yes, but you can't picture, pick them up till after you graduate. And that's as soon as I got my diploma, I fucking, as soon as that ceremony was over, I marched to his office and I was sitting there like tapping my foot like I want my pictures. And it was like a fucking spy movie he handed over like the dossier with the, with all the pictures in it. And I opened it up, checked if they were there. Okay. We're <laughs> done. We're done here. You know, the sad thing is, you know, the a lot of the you know some of these characters are not around anymore you know like uh, well like Eli but I, I'm pretty sure Bob Melia is still around you he's know? still he, around he, he's on he's on Facebook he's one that I had kind of hoped had, had met with an unhappy no <laughs> unhappy he was young fate. he was yeah. young he's only like in his six. he's like hash he's only in his 60s now yeah Hmm. Figuring out some way to make other people's lives miserable. Yeah, by the time I graduated from that place, I was ready. You know, there was no, you know, I mean, there was no feeling of pride at graduating from it. It was just like, let's just get this fucking thing over with. Yep. And get the fuck out of here. I remember taking my last test and going out to my friend Darren's car to smoke a cigarette because I'll smoke a cigarette in his car. It's, it's fucking... You know, low key. I'm not like sitting around the side of the building, whatever. I w- and I was technically done. And the gym coach walks out and gets all pissed off and sends a principal out. And and I was just like, "What? What the fuck, man? What? I'm almost out of here. You guys can't fucking. You know, he's got to throw a fucking hissy fit." And by the time we got to graduation, I was just like, in in my cap and gown, like, "Yeah, whatever." The, the fucking evil bitch who you had to go get your your sheepskin from was this just she looked like the emperor you know she was she looked like you know post post um <laughs> my you know post um Samuel Jackson scourging Palpatine and she was just this horrible gossip like catty evil person 
and uh, there's a whole story behind that. And I remember going to shake her hand and being like, "Fuck this! I'm not going to shake her hand." And did the whole pull away through my yeah, hair I remember that thing. And everybody got all pissed off about that. And then and then it was done, and I was just like, "Okay, out of here!" And I'm going to start forgetting about this place. There was no like, ah, the old alma mater, you know. I'm going to savor every moment of this this wonderful graduation ceremony you know it's just like no all right is it done i'm done 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 now i can get on with a real life see i remember my parents and i really getting into it about that because i remember them being really upset and kind of pissy with me that i didn't feel that way graduating they're like oh you know one day you're really gonna regret and i was like no i won't i said you don't seem to understand what it's been like for me to, to go through, I, you know, because I always hated going there, you know, because yeah. it felt like we you laughed know, at was... all these teachers. But I mean, fundamentally, why all this was going on and, and not to say that there were there were actually some amazing teachers there. And I think if you go all the way back to episode one, we give a bunch of them a shout out. Mrs. Jacobson was great. Um, what was the one teacher that looked like Bruce Boxleitner? Mr. J. Oh, Mr. Uh, Jameson. Uh, Jacowitz was that his name? Yes, Mr. Jacowitz. He was great, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. A, a lot of the English teachers were. were that really one cool English there. teacher was that was at the end of the hall on the left hand side. I can't ever remember what her name was, Mrs. but Mosley? she was fine. No, not Mrs. Mosley. Oh, I remember. I never had her for class. She had dark hair, and yeah, man, she was, she was cute. Yeah, I liked her a lot. She was like but the freshman teacher when we were like sophomores Jeskowitz. and juniors. That so was his was that Jeskowitz. And he, he just passed away not long ago, too. It was about a year or he so a, ago. He was a great guy, but there were just a lot of just incompetent, boring... Using bad te- rote te- teaching methods, you know, literally, I'm writing something on the board. You write it in your notebook, right? And we're gonna have a test on it at the end of the week. Well, what, that- what's always bugged me, what's always stood out and and irritated me about this whole thing was that there was absolutely, you know, this to me. I I don't know if you've ever seen the movie October Sky, but there's a great scene in that movie. Where, uh, yeah, there's a uh, what's her name? Laura Dern is in that movie mm-hmm. in, a, in a bit part where she plays uh, basically the teacher that inspires and encourages the boys to pursue their dream of rocketry and stuff. And there's a scene in the movie where she and the the principal butt heads, and she basically tells the principal that she has to do this for these boys because. She realizes that in the shit town that they live in, the best anybody can aspire to is, uh, uh, you know, as soon as they graduate, they're going to go work in the coal mine and die a young death, you know? And she has to find somebody in this school career of hers to latch onto, to encourage, to do better and get the hell out of there, or she would just go mad. You know, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but this is basically what she says is that she has to do this for these boys because all if all she ever does is send, you know, graduate young men to send them to an early grave, it, it, it would just destroy her. 
And I wish there had been somebody like that at that school of ours because I feel like the reason why there was such a cast of freaks and misfits amongst the teaching staff at both the middle and high school is because that's exactly what they were doing. They were churning out, you know, the the store clerks and the mechanics and the, you know, hamburger flippers that were going to yeah. populate new you know Carthage New York and the surrounding areas for the next 20 to 30 years and that's all that that was the height of their aspirations Work they the didn't want yeah they didn't want any of Boces us Boces was big future farmers of america was big right yeah, but, the trade trade stuff was Yeah, was and you know, I'm not trying big. to belittle any of those trades like farming or anything like that. But you know, nobody there was thinking, you know, they were probably actually in boces and stuff. They were probably actually learning more practical, useful stuff than we were learning in the regular class and everybody was making fun of the boces kids. Right. And those boces kids are probably all probably all were making more money than a lot of the kids that made fun of them at some but point. But I, I seldom remember there being, I won't say there weren't any, but there was seldom any teacher that had any higher aspirations than, you know, their kids graduating to a life of, you know, living in the local community and, you know, small town life. Well, you there, there was some anybody teachers that, was... that would focus in on, they, they would see somebody that, like, you know, um, Mrs. Jacobs, Mrs. Jacobson. Yeah, she was. Um, she she focused right in on me. She was just like, "You're very creative, you know. I'm going to encourage you." And she was, ve- you know, gave me gave me good grades on bizarre. Th- I would write bizarre things, and she would encourage me, you know. And that was all. I remember her class was awesome, you know. And and I remember horrible. I remember one English class where the teacher would just make us write in our journals for the first twenty minutes in middle school, you know, and then yeah, and then compile our journals at the end. And she would read them, but she said she wouldn't read our journals. But I, we would write horrible things about her, and she would get mad at us. <laughs> so we knew she was reading our journals. Well, we Mrs. J, she was the only one I ever remember actually encouraging me to try to to do more and get the hell out of there and i remember her being the one the only teacher that ever brought up the possibility of uh of college yeah because that was never even brought up i mean i remember uh that useless uh guidance counselor what the hell watkins Yes, I think that was his he name. Was that he too. was completely he was worthless human being. He, all he uh, the only advice he ever gave me is he thought I should be a towel boy for the football team. He was always on me. He was advice. on me about on me about that every time I saw him. You know, you don't want to play sports, but you should be involved. You should be like a towel boy on the. It's just like yeah, yeah. That's what he said last time I was here. Yeah. It ain't happened to Mr. J. Yeah, that was well. That was another problem with that school is, and one of the reasons that to this day I'm so down on sports was that, you know, this was you know the absolute epitome of one of those schools that if you were not involved in some manner or facet with some Mostly sport, you were a non-entity in that. You could be the smartest human being on the planet, 
if you weren't throwing some ball around or something, then then you no, you the, know you were useless. The, the football team was a group of untouchables. They got they were kings of the school and got to do yep. whatever they wanted, whatever they wanted. Yeah, and and they did horrible things to lots of people and with no repercussions. As a matter of fact, they still got treated nice. It was just it was it was ugly. The whole the whole yep. thing was ugly. And thank God we had Eli to abuse to. Give us something to laugh <laughs> But it just, you know, it, it, that has always bothered me that there is absolutely, you know, there was no encouragement to try to better yourself or, or to advance yourself or anything. Yeah, nothing, nothing and that was why, beyond any cursory. You know, there's some teachers who tried to do stuff like that, but it was always half-assed. Yeah. And, you know, so they could go, well, well I tried. I, I, I tried to reach them and I tried to be... Or, or they were just hopeless at being engaging. They would, try, or they were under the delusion that they were like the most engaging, delightful teacher of all time. When it, it, you know, for the most part, everybody was mocking them or either f- or falling asleep in class. You know. Well, and there was also, you know, there's some examples there of things that were just you know that they were teaching us that now i look back on and i wonder all right was this a sign of the times was this a sign of you know they hadn't updated the the curriculum yet or was this a sign of this was this person's personal agenda a little of all of that i'm you sure you know or whatever but you know things Mr. that Stav i always pushed his agenda in class he was always yeah. very opinionated with and that was social studies yeah, I mean, there are definitely things that I have since learned about, you know, a number of subjects that I know that's not the way it was taught to me in high school or, or school at all. And, and one of the big ones, I was trying to think of a specific example, and the only one that comes to mind immediately off the top of my head is I'll never forget the first time I watched Roots. And I'm watching this going, what bullshit is this? This is not you know, how this happened, you know? And and actually having to go and and really take a a good hard look at that subject because I do not remember that being taught that way in school at all and it was taught to us and again we you know, we lived where we lived you know in an area with very yeah, few our books black could have been people, fi- so well our books could also have been fifteen twenty years old you know right. at that point you know but I remember it being taught very much in the aspect of you know, I won't say that like slavery wasn't such a bad thing, but it was, I remember it being taught very much in the aspect of, you know, yeah, you know, we we got black people from Africa, but you know, they were mindless animals that you know were rounded up and brought here, and in the long run, it's all you know, it's really been to their benefit because look how great they've got it here in America today. Which of course wasn't what they said at all, but that was the undercurrent that sort of ran through that text at the time. Pretty much. Well, I mean, I remember it being being pretty much taught just that way. And like I say, the first time I, I saw it, because I don't think I ever made it past the first, you know, the very first episode of Roots for a long time. Because I can remember seeing the, the first episode and going, what the, what the hell is this? This isn't the least bit historical accurate. You know, this showed people, you know, over in Africa, you know, living you know, in communities and having a language and a culture and missing, you know, once they were captured and brought to America, you know, missing their relatives. Their and families like, this and is stuff not like that. the way this shit was taught to us in school at all. That, you know, that they were, 
you know, and I'm not trying to be ugly, but, you know, that they were just mindless, you know, animals, you know, that were rounded up and brought over here and given language and, and you know, you know what I mean? And yes, I, I know do, I do know what you mean, but it, it wasn't in, in so many words, but it was, you know, while slavery wasn't really described as a good thing, it was a bad thing. And, you know, it was good that the Civil War, you know, was a great victory and all that. But, yeah, it described... It, yeah, it was like, you know, the, the slaves were a bunch of primitive savages that were brought from, from darkest Africa, you know, where they lived. Uh, uh, I think a lot of that just has to do with the bias of America, of Christianity, you know, and we're a Christian well, country. I, and they're, No, they're, I don't believe that at all. I believe it was the bias of the people that were teaching the subject. And well, there was that too. <laughs> anybody there. You know, there were no black people. You know, no, there were no black students, so there wasn't anybody Not to take the, the other last side. Couple go, years uh, of high school. Excuse yeah. me, I think that the you know, uh, you know what I mean. There was nobody to to raise their hand and object because nobody, for one, we were all kids and we didn't know any better, so we believed what was taught to us. But there was nobody to take the other side. You know, there was nobody to object. You know, and go wait a minute. You know, this is you know, you need to give more. You know, of the other side, or you need to. You know, this is all horseshit. And, you know, I, I'm not trying well, to get into that's why some Roots was such a big deal this... when it came out, because it was the first... Right. You know, when you watch it now, it's kind of passe and a little, like, overdramatic and stuff. But when it first came out, you're right. It, it, you, you, it, Africa, it was just like Indian. It's just like American Indians were portrayed in the right. movies as being savages that would just get mowed down by the cowboys. Right. But really, they had a culture, you know, they had their own culture and languages and and all in the same in africa but you know right but before that everybody pictured you know yeah it would just be like oh some you know, i always pictured it as oh some white guys would pull up in a boat and throw a few nets out and you know throw a bunch of people in the boat and head back you know mm-hmm. and uh bring them back and teach them some english and, right. and get them working in the in the fields you know, just enough English to get by. And well, see, I I only bring all that up, you know, as just an example of the of the types of things that I know were taught to us in a particular way that wasn't really accurate. You know see, what I but mean? I, I, but I always you know, I always got I always was under the impression as a kid that you know slavery was this horrible, you know. It was a horrible thing, you know, that it wasn't that it was good that slavery was it was just the portrayal. It was just the portrayal of the whole. Yeah, of, but at the same rate, I, I'm trying to steer us away from this subject, but, <laughs> you know, at the same rate, though, do you remember specific because I don't it would it would be like when you would have anti drug classes. Oh, yeah. And they would end up being very much like, you know, how South Park betrays it, you know, where the guy comes out and says, all right, drugs are bad. OK, drugs is bad. But they wouldn't give you any specifics. And I can remember slavery being taught pretty much that same way that well, yeah. slavery is bad. OK, you don't shouldn't make people slaves. OK. And that was it. And it's like, no, wait, why was it bad? What happened? And I don't remember there being really any in-depth conversation. It pretty much went from. Okay, we rounded up a bunch of ignorant savages. We brought them to America. We made them slaves for a while, but then we let them go. And look how happy they are today. And that was pretty much the way it was taught. And well, because this is over the years, there have been a good number of subjects that I, on my own free will and spare time, have delved into and found to be wow. The stuff I was taught in these 
schools in dumbass upstate New York were complete horse shit. Was you either know? horse shit or just like the most dumbed down cliff notes that you could ever... Right, because they uh, didn't expect be- anybody in that graduating class to go on and make shit yeah. of themselves, you know, that they were not going to be... Well, they, 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 they let the, the boundaries of that county. They you know? let the self-starters do it. The kids that were, you know... Uh, either good at sucking up or were naturally, you know, precocious about learning. You know, the Mike McMahons are valedictorians and, you know, the girls on student council and stuff like that. The kids who were, you know, overachievers and stuff because of whatever, their upbringing or or whatever. But But they, you know, those kids do that on their own, you know. Then a teacher could glom onto them and say and encourage them. But they weren't working on all the rest of the kids all the rest of the kids everybody was just sort of left on their own to to you know to achieve whatever you know and there i was one of those overachiever kids where i was like get straight a's get straight a's until you know midway through high school when i was like wait a minute what the fuck am i what am i who am i trying to impress here you know right i'm like fuck this man i'm studying for my sats and my psats and I'll, I, I'm going to make sure I pass every class from this, but I ain't taking a goddamn thing, you know, from sophomore year on. I didn't, you know, like the end of sophomore year through junior and senior year, I didn't take anything goddamn seriously because I would realize it's funny. It's like the I still have these dreams. I think everybody has these dreams where you're in high school or something, and then you realize at some point you go, wait a minute, I don't have to be here. I don't have to worry about going to class or whatever. I'm done with this shit. You know, I, I actually had that realization moment while I was in high school. I was like, I don't have to, you know, think of this as some important thing. You know, this is total bullshit. Look at the fucking jokers that I'm dealing with that are supposed to be teachers. You know, they're they're like cartoons, you know. I mean, there were so, so many dysfunctional, fucked up, weird, you know molesters or just incompetent or just goofy to the point of where you know very rarely was there an engaging class you know I I have very few memories of teachers that were just like boy it was great going to their class you know the ones that I think about that it was because they were they were either crazy or entertaining or both like Mr. Martle you know, because he was Mr. Martle. He was the the shop teacher. Oh, the middle Gripes. school. That guy was a fucking lunatic. He had he 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 was like the photographer too. He would do like student photographs, and he had uh, he had two missing. He was a shop teacher with two missing fingers that he lost on the fucking table saw at one point. And remember, he had the Martle yank where he would grab the he would show you how. He did it, and he would grab, like, the ear and hair and lift up, and he would demonstrate it on one kid, and he's like, if you're in trouble, I come up and I give you the martle yank. And he was one of those jocular, happy-go-lucky, but crazy guys. I remember him trying to do that on me one time, and I, like, swatted his hand away, and a bunch of shit come out of that, that now to this day I can't remember what the whole deal was. with. I think my father ended up having to come to the school, which was never pleasant for the school staff when my father had to get drugged to the school. My but I, can, I, I, remember actually, I actually remember him trying to do that and, and something very ugly coming of that whole thing, but there was no way I was going to let that fucking creepy old 
perverted asshole grab hold of my sideburns and yank. Remember his? Remember Mrs. Martle was his wife was an uh, elementary school teacher. Yeah, she was a fucking bitch too. I she hated was, her. She was guts. quite large, and my sister was friends with their daughter Enid, who walked in one day and caught them doing it doggy style. Awesome, yeah, baby. I don't want to picture that though. I don't either, because you know I actually couldn't picture that at all. Because I really, he's another one. I always had a sense that he was a closet perv. That kinda, he was kind of creepy around the edges. Yeah, yeah. a lot he of them. The, the gym, <coughs> <coughs> the gym teachers. Our art teacher was especially pervy, to the point of where it probably shouldn't. I shouldn't talk about it because there's probably some legal history involved in that since then. Oh, speaking of legal history, remember years, it, uh, like a couple years after we graduated, it wasn't too many years, remember we found out Eli got arrested for smacking his wife around? Yeah. Was it his wife or was it his mother? It was his wife. See, I always thought it was his mother. And uh, so It was his wife? And See, we were I, just I like, of was... course, he was at home, yeah. you know, and we were like, shit, I hope we didn't. Yeah, he got arrested for that. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, because I remember that that was isn't that what led into your feeling of, you know, maybe it was you know what we had done was kind of karmic, you know, making him sort of pay for being abusive at home or something to that effect. Yeah, but I hope at the same time we didn't drive, you know, <laughs> drive. I, I'm sure we didn't cause it. You, I mean, an abuser's an abuser, you know. Right. So. So what sets him <laughs> off is their their own th- thing. So that makes, you know, I mean, now that I'm older and I've seen, you know, people in abusive relationships and seen abusive people and, you know, know that they're fundamentally fucking pricks, I don't feel so bad for, you know, he was a teacher. He, c- he couldn't be prickish. And those abusive people can also be nice because he could also be, you know, fairly decent to when when we were being nice to him but you know yeah it's a guy who hits his wife you know bottom line and his and his whacked some kids too in his day that weren't even his own and who knows what kind of you know st- shit little Eli got involved with so yeah screw him man I don't feel bad at <laughs> all I don't get those that little little like oh poor Pete he was you know I mean all the time we used to we used to go like you know we shouldn't pick on Hesh. He's, you know, he's a, he's an okay guy. He doesn't really deserve it. We should just leave him alone. But there was my, uh, never that with Eli. My parents roped me into getting a fucking yearbook, which I always felt was a complete waste of money since, you know, you and Randy were the only people that I graduated with that I frankly gave two shits about. But I got one, and I only got it signed by just a handful of people. Eli was one of them. Ah! I, we actually went back to, to middle school. And, oh, somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Oh, man. Give, a scan, give me a scan of that. <laughs> I forget what it says. It's something, probably just something like, you know, you have a good life or, yeah, yeah something yeah, something to that effect. But he was actually touched face. that we had come back from, you know, high school, you know, from 12th grade to, to have him write something in our yearbooks. I remember that really being a big deal to him, and he got a little teary-eyed about it, which I thought was pretty funny, but... Especially yeah. since we were going to mock and, and abuse him to this day. 
You just reminded me. You were talking about our pervert uh, gym teachers there, and they were both a couple of skeezy pervs, too. I remember that time where, you know, we had that great big gymnasium, which they would pull out the... Uh, the partition they would unfold that partition mm-hmm. and cut you know cut the gymnasium into the girls half and the boys half i remember mr amy standing in the doorway with the door open watching the girls do whatever they were doing i don't know gymnastics or some friggin thing and he was standing there in the doorway in his nut hugger shorts with a great big boner and on our side on the guy's side we were playing uh paddle ball and you and i were smacking the paddle ball around and i don't know how in the hell you did it? I don't think you intended to do it, but you laced a shot and it hit him square in the nuts. I did not mean to do that at all. Do you remember that? Oh, I remember it. I remember it, and I was like, how am I going to explain that I did? It was one of those things where you go running over going, I swear to God, I didn't mean to do it. I swear to God, I didn't mean to do it. And he was such a good-natured guy that he was just like, oh, it's all right. But he was in fucking horrible pain. He turned ashy white. And, yeah, it was weird. But he was very effeminate, and he dressed in, like, golf pants, like loud golf pants and loud shirts. But he was always looking at the girls. Mm -hmm. But he was very, like, just, like, kind of doofy and effeminate. The, The... other gym coach was very butch and loud and gruff but he's the guy who hung out in the shower too long you know right in the doorway of the shower and was like you know mr amy never creeped me out he was just kind of doofy but mr metcalf creeped me the fuck out Um, you know it's funny now that i'm sorry i don't mean to interrupt you you just you just jogged a memory about the other what was the other guy's name metcalf Mm mm-hmm it's funny you say that about him hanging out because I never really put two and two together until you said that. But yeah, uh-huh. I always got a funny feeling about him too, and I'll never forget that time that uh, John Graw and I got in a lot of trouble. And I don't even know why John got in any trouble. I remember us both getting in some serious shit. He would snap on people, and people would get caught in the crossfire, and he'd be like, "I don't care," and they'd be like, "But I wasn't doing it, you know. I don't right. care." And I can remember. Uh, there was a time where we were in swim class, you know, which was a joke because all swim class consisted of was letting you screw around in the pool for 45 minutes. So we were in gym class, and uh, John Graw, which was, we we could do a whole <laughs> thing on that douchebag sometime, but he I was, was in this gym class. I remember this happening. He was up on the diving board, <laughs> yep. and he runs, and he... You know, bounces one time off the thing, and he's doing some dive, you know, headfirst dive into the pool. I take a kickboard and make like Captain America and fling the frigging kickboard out, and it skims across the surface of the water. And John jumps in and perfectly smashes face first into the end of the kickboard, which could have broken his frigging neck. Oh yeah, you know. And I remember Metcalf coming along and snatching me up by the scruff of the neck and dragging my pissed. ass out. He was pissed. I don't know why he was pissed at John, but I can remember him reaching down and fishing him out of the drink, and he drug us both to the office, and at some point in that process of dragging us from the pool to his office, John called him a faggot, and when he did, that guy went fucking bananas. I, I, you just made me remember that, that he well, did that. And at the time, I remember... You know, we were young. I can't remember what what age we were. And, of course, I knew what he was calling him, but I didn't really 
consciously realize why he was so, you know, why he really went so bananas. But now that kind of starts I, to add up. I remember that day, and what happened? What? Why? I think why why he did that with John was. John was a goofy fucker, and he was on the diving board jumping up and down going, la, 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 la. you know, he was being doofy and did right. a doofy dive. And so he was just like, those two knuckleheads were both fucking around. I'm just going <laughs> to grab them both. And, you know, there was like the time when I was in gym class, and it was shirts and skins, and we were playing basketball. And this is another whole dude. Greg Varney was down at one end. And he's down at one end of the basketball court jumping up and down, but the whole game is going on at the other end of the court. And I just look over at him, and I'm like, Greg, it's over here. You know, it's all happening over here. And the coach is like, Honeywell, are you going to play or are you going to talk? And I'm just like, sorry, coach. And <laughs> he comes storming across. Oh, he fucking threw me up against the wall. And he's yelling and spitting in my face. How would you like it if I did that to you? Sorry, coach. And like kissed at you. What are you trying to say? And David Shell was just sitting there just going like, I'm telling you, man. (laughs) Coach has something to hide. (laughs) And I was like, oh, it was. Yeah, he, he he went overboard. Completely overboard. He sent me down to the office, and the principal's like, "Look, you're you're not you don't have detention. I'm gonna talk to him, and don't worry about it. You're you're not in trouble." <laughs> I tell you what, if there is a hell, and I ended up going there, it's gonna be fucking gym class. I I can tell right now because <laughs> I hated fucking gym class because nine times out of ten, gym class consisted of me standing in the fucking outfield in any number of given sports going god i can't wait for this fucking 45 minutes to hurry up and go by and i i can remember a lot of times being way the fuck out on the back 40 somewhere yeah when we were playing like a game of stickball or something and they'd lace one out there and we'd just be standing there bullshitting, and the fucking ball, like, you know, it's like Lucy in the peanut strips. You know, the ball just plopped down between the two of you, and everybody out there screaming, get it, and you'd be like, ah, fuck you. you know? Whatever. <laughs> we make them run all the way out there to get the ball. Yeah. And, you know, the big jock douchebag team football captain and give you a dirty look like, why can't you assholes play? The-? And it's like, fuck you, asshole. Yeah, why can't you fucking read, moron, you know? Right, I know. <laughs> You know, let's call it even, doofus. Yeah. I I, I remember you doing shit like that because, yeah, what the fuck, you know. I mean, the only person who was sort of beyond us on that was Charlie Champagne, and he just was like, fuck it, I'm 16 years old, I quit, and he walked out, you know. I wanted to quit high school so bad. And, you know, to this day... It's one of the things that uh, that still kind of stands between me and my parents and my sister was that I wanted to drop out. Of, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad that they made me stick. I am glad because, you know, you, you don't amount to shit these days without some form of education. You know, and if I had dropped out of we high school. We could have gotten our GEDs our freshman yeah, year. I, I know, but still, I mean, oh, yeah, that's true. I wish I thought about that. But you know what I mean? I, I am glad that they stuck to it, but what really pissed me off was then a couple of years later, my my sister's coming up, and she just completely dropped out of school. You know, no, no, I mean, my sister has gotten away with murder over the years compared to the shit, you know, I had to live like, you know, like a fucking 
priest that had you know sworn some celibate oath or something when I was living to home. Yet my sister was just allowed to run wild and do whatever the hell she wanted to. Well, because your sister was always going to be a little get married as a kid and everything else. You know, it's ridiculous. So that always kind of pissed me off. But I did at the time. I, I begged them to let me drop the hell out of high school and just go to work. You know, just do what you know, just start yeah. working and all that sort of thing. But yeah. well, the first thing stuff. both of us did was get miles away from that place. Mm-hmm. Which will lead into, I'm sure, a whole bunch of other Two True Freaks storytellers. <laughs> I know, we could go on and on with this all night. Yeah, no, I think that was a pretty pretty good uh, picture of what Carthage High School slash middle school was like. It was pretty sorry. Yeah. I don't know what it's like now, but... Eh, it could be better. It, it, it all depends on the teachers. You know, but we definitely didn't hit the jackpot in in that department. <laughs> Mrs. McGregor, the art teacher, she was nice. I always liked art class. Mrs. Bince was just a bizarre throwback. That was a home ec teacher from another time. She was the home ec teacher when my mother went to school. Mine too. I had she my was... French teacher was my mother's French teacher. She was another one that was a real bitch. I didn't. I didn't. She was like a little much. hen. I remember. Yeah. I remember the same guy, Tony Tahanica, and it was in a class I was in with Will Howard and Jim Smith, two guys who I ended up like, like feuding with towards the end of school. But Tony Tahanica sat and spit all over her chair, and then put a big ass like one inch long thumbtack. This like evil like furniture tack in the middle of her chair and she like was showing us a film strip and walking around the room and everybody was on pins and needles with to when she was gonna sit in that chair. And she sat down in the chair and nothing happened. It stuck in the crack the crack and of her ass. She got up and it stuck it was stuck right perfectly in the crack of her ass. And there was a big wet spot, like a big target, like right around it. And she just like walked around. And the rest of the class was just everybody trying not to laugh hysterically. I remember when we did get a black student in our class. His name was Melvin Jones. I remember Melvin Jones to crack everybody up whenever she turned his back on him. Would come up behind her and like hump at her like doggy style. And then she would turn around and would like snap like what, what? Yeah, I did. I did not care for her too much at all. No, she was. There weren't a whole lot of teachers I did. Nah, there weren't. There, there I had weren't much a lot of winners there. Because you know, I I remember. Well, you know, like I said, you know, we my parents really they gave me a lot of shit when we were graduating about you know you're, you're really going to regret it and you know you're going to miss this place and you know you'll be surprised you know the memory and you know no, no I, I, to this no, day no. I'm still I'm don't glad we can I can glad we can laugh about it but we're la- mostly laughing I'm mostly laughing at shit you guys you and Randy did <laughs> you know <laughs> well, I remember when we used to have those you know the other thing I hated was the fucking pep rallies we would have because I never understood it it's like what the hell are we all making noise and rooting and hollering about? Is it, you know, are, we're celebrating these there's sports a, dickheads? games happening or yeah. something, yeah. I could care less about any of that shit, you know? 
Well, it and just so showed the people who the, who read books and studied and stuff. Look, hey, look what everybody actually really appreciates. Exactly. <laughs> it's the football exactly. game. So we would go and we'd make our giant banners of Carthage sucks and there yep. and people they would get Harry so Palm. Pissed. Yep. Lots of but Harry yeah. Palm posters and stuff like that. And yeah, uh, ba- basically, yeah, where was the pep rally for uh, for the people who got good grades or were like trying to do get out of there or, or go to college or anything? There wasn't anything like that, you know. Nope. Uh, you were you were marginalized. You were marginalized uh, unless you were just completely average. If you weren't completely average, then you were either an egghead or a you know, a preppy, you know, or a preppy jockey person or a, or a scumbag or, a, you know, a metalhead or something. You know, everybody had that was like shoved off into the into the edges with just with tons of bland, blandness in the middle. See, I wonder if it's any different today, you know, I've to never- a certain de- to a certain degree, I think it might be, and then to another degree, I'm like, you know, I don't know, because I, you know, I've been trying to keep an eye on on my boys as they're coming up, you know, and what kinds of things are they going through in high school and and all that, and I do see more testing and more acknowledgement of, you know, kids if, if they're gifted and they, you know, they have abilities and they're smart and things like that, and I see that there's more stuff for trying to steer them in a positive direction and everything. Yet at the same time, I still see where the the really dominant thing is the the jock douchebag trail. You know, if if you're you know if you can throw a ball better than anybody else, you know, then wow, a, you know your your ticket's written. You know, and it's like there what, is what a, kind of shit is that? You know, I think I think what with the internet and the communication grid that's out there now, the kids of today fit, are can figure out quicker that eventually you're gonna get the fuck out of there and there's other stuff you know even if even if you're one of those kids that just goes to their room after they go from school they could go onto the internet and go into another world or or find something they're interested in you right. know so where and you know and we were all we were in that classic small town environment of you know close-minded and creepy and like you know a lot of our teachers were nearing where they should have probably been retiring and were alcoholics and were teaching in you know from the stuff they learned in the 60s or 50s in some cases or 40s in some cases and yeah it was just a big mess and I think now maybe more even the schools in the more rural areas are still a little bit more caught up with the times although there's still you know when you get into texas you have you know where they're rewriting you know religion into the textbooks and stuff like that but i think for the most part it's it's got to be better it's probably just as boring but i don't think there's as much outright like we're a more vigilant society also like a lot of the things these teachers did they couldn't get away with and, right. and on the same account the same thing with the students there's a lot of things 
that that we would have done in class and in school that really would have had the cops at our door now you know they'd put take you away in handcuffs now and you wouldn't be allowed back in school you know there's zero tolerance and stuff like that so uh, there's a lot less of that weird David Lynch craziness going on or at least if it's the same amount going on it gets so people notice it more you know you're more likely to have a student go that's inappropriate you know what as a matter of fact there's somebody I can report that to you know right whereas we know you know we heard rumors of teachers having sex with students and stuff like that and no, none of us ever thought like hey should we be calling the police about that because that sounds like something the police should be involved in because that's immediately what people would do today you know right so, so we were just in that that last sort of gasp of that old school, you know, teachers having a smoke in their room at lunch and blowing up the room. Well, you know, I was I was speaking more though of just I hope kids today have it better as far as if you're, you know, if they're smart, even if they're you know, completely disinterested and or, or no damn good at any sports or any sort of you know group activity type of crap that they're always trying to push on you at school even you know if you're just smart you know and you've got brains and you could be you know yeah. the next rocket scientist or something i hope that there's paths for those kids you know because yeah. You know, you mentioned earlier, like, Mike McMahon. I always forget about Mike McMahon because I often tell people that, you know, one of the reasons, you know, my, I thought our high school just completely sucked was that if you were a smart kid with, with a brain in your head and aspirations, there was nothing for you. I always forget about Mike McMahon because he seemed, you know, he was a bright kid but and everything, but at the same rate, he was also like completely straight laced and abided by the rules, you know. So I wonder what I mean. What did he become in life? Where Where did he He's go? He's like an engineer in Texas or something. I found him on Facebook a while ago, and he looks sort of like you would expect him to these these days. He's a little chunkier and a little grayer, but but I mean, did, he was he, he was credit a very Carthage good at all with with helping him get to where he went, or I did didn't he achieve see that anything spite? In- is you know he, he was he was literally an eagle scout and like he had a tough you know there i mean his house was like out of a sitcom or like leave it to beaver but in a good way it was like his household was like something out of a ray bradbury short story or a steven spielberg short you know what i mean it was the family was very functional very and 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 honestly so and very you know I mean his room like had the cowboy and Indian wallpaper and stuff and you know it, he with his little brother and the littler brother and they would all study together but it wasn't that creepy sort of like oh we're all perfect they were just sort of but his father I think had MS or something and was right. you know in, in very ill bad health and you know I think, and his father was like a butcher at the at the A and P and stuff, and was like, I want you know, it was that whole like, I want you to be get more that you know, and work hard to 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 make his kids well adjust. And 
and smart, and they were. Mike, Mike and I were friends in elementary school, and we would just go in the library and sit in carols across from each other and just read. <laughs> what are you but reading? You, I'm reading, you know... But you know, what do you think was the difference between... All right, because, you know... Well, he was... He never seemed to chafe against the fact that he was being forced to be in a class with morons being instructed by morons. Because you know? he, got, he got put in all the A groups. I was in a lot of A groups with Mike McMahon, and... You know, there was we. He got put in advanced math stuff, and people paid attention to him because he was really smart. You know, he was he was our, he was valedictorian. He he pretty much almost ACSAT. He almost got a perfect score on the SAT, which is very 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 rare. But he was one of those people. You know, some people there they function very well in that. You know, probably to Mike McMahon they were like. Okay, here's the information, and he was just like, "Yeah, okay," absorbed it and was able to process it, and it was probably like nothing to him, you know. So he just made. So he was just like, "I'm gonna tick off an A plus on know. everything." See, maybe this him, seem extremely also, big-headed of me, but I don't think Mike McMahon was any smarter than you and I. I just, no, he wasn't. I think the big difference was that you and I didn't give a shit. You know, I think was, we could have gone was, in and aced the SAT, and we could have impressed everybody, and we, you know, all he, that. It was very the thing was we we to, chafed against the the system. We didn't like, you know, how it was being handled, and it, it always irritates. It still irritates me the people that there was just never go along with it. Right. Well, not just that, but there, there never seemed to be anybody from our our teachers to our principals to our guidance counselors that were supposed to be looking after our best interests that never stepped forward and said, you know what, these two kids are not juvenile delinquents. They're extremely intelligent young men who are chafing against this system where they feel held back because they're being forced to be in classes with a bunch of friggin' morons, you know, and being treated like they are morons too, and we weren't. Mr. Staub was the first time that I ever uh, realized, holy shit, we're smarter than this guy. Right. Uh, other times I think, well, we're smarter than them sometimes, or this guy's kind of goofy or whatever. But that was when I realized this guy's dumb. He's dull-witted. Right. You know, he's and he's supposed to be teaching us, and he can barely keep it that? together. That was like that in tenth grade? grade. Ninth. There was. I think it was See, like tenth. For me, grade. it was ninth grade. Was the grade where I completely just mentally dropped out of high school, even though I was forced to stay in, and I, I did complete school and everything. Ninth grade was the point where I mentally dropped out because there was somebody, and I can't remember who it was, or maybe it was the entire damn year, I don't remember, but there was at some point when I realized, I'm, I've learned all I'm going to learn here. The, this, this establishment ha really has nothing more to challenge me, and that's when I started to really get into trouble in school. Well, I was and also I was starting like to think, I'm interested in film, and there's nothing at that school that's right. going to... to, to help me with that really and well I, you know math and science yes you can apply that to that right but there wasn't any place where i could pick up a, now how shit man schools have video production studios right yes yeah, green screen i'm saying I, I i think kids today have it better in in that aspect because there are people and i know that my kids have experienced this there are people will will see a, a kid and go all right, he might be struggling in this, or he may not be the most sociable kid. He may not be any good at sports. However, you know, I see that he's really good at this, that, or the other. And there's people that that 
can see a child's strengths and weaknesses and steer them in in a direction that's best for that child. We didn't have anybody like that. We had that fucking idiot Watkins who just looked at you and, like you said, you know, well, let me see. He was 150 years old and he was still like, maybe you you should be a farmer. Kid that you know can't play baseball. Well, have you considered being the water boy? And that was the height of his suggestions. He right there, he kind of looked like Mr. Mackey, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, but the you old. know, and that's what really pisses me off is that there was nobody to step forward and go. You know what? It doesn't matter that you're not the next Wilt Chamberlain. You've got the potential to be the next. You know, I I, pfft, I don't there know. There were teachers who encouraged us, but yeah, they never they they, they never really they, like there was never really they had um, I mean I I remember going with my mom to Watertown to college night and stuff, and there were teachers who would go. So have you had any thoughts about which college you were going to? But it was just checking stuff off a list, and there right. were kids that they expected to go to college, and there were kids that they didn't expect to go to college, and the cutoff was. You had A, B, and C group. And A group was like the kids who got straight A's. B group was the kids who got B. And the C group was everybody was everybody below that. So the majority See, s- of people were in B group. I and never it- saw it that way at all. I saw it more as a, as a point of, well, for one thing, I never heard the word college uh, you know, in reference right. to, to right. me personally. Everybody I never in- heard the, the, ru- the word college until that idea was so far removed from reality to me as to be laughable because the first person that ever as a matter of fact i'm pretty sure the only person that ever suggested college to me while i was actually a a high school student was mrs j and she had approached it pretty much from the angle of which college are you going to and i just laughed i said are you fucking kidding me i said i can't wait to get the fuck out of here if you think i'm voluntarily gonna go for four more years to any form of education you're out of your mind the first and i realize now as a 43 year old that that was a very cocky and ignorant thing to say to somebody who was trying to help me but at the time i didn't see it that way i saw it as wait a minute i'm about to be released from prison and you're you're asking me to sign up for four more years i don't think so you know that's how i was looking at it so i probably came across as a complete asshole but that you know that's just how I no, view the situation. No, she disappointed with the school for making you feel that feel see, that way. Yeah, in English yeah, class exactly. in junior year, we had one whole quarter that was called college prep, where they you know prepped you for the SATs and the PSATs, and they said start. Here's a list of colleges. You know, start trying to think of colleges that have stuff that you're interested in, and. And all that, and that was that was what they did with the A group because they were like, these are the kids that could go to college. But that was just a small percentage of the the student population. Well, that you was know, the other the vast thing I... majority was in the B group. That was where right. everybody else was. They didn't even bother with them. Oh, whatever. We're gonna assume they're not gonna go. And if they want to go, they can. If they want to go, they can figure it all out themselves and go. Right. But we're we're not gonna do much of anything about it. Well, that was the other thing, too, that I meant to sidetrack myself was that, you know, I realized very early on that it wasn't about the grades at all, you know, because like you say, you know, that you had the A kids and the B kids and all that sort of thing. But really what it came down to was whoever made that decision about these are the kids that are going to go on and these are the kids that aren't going to. I don't think ultimately it was so much the grades that were the deciding factor in that. It was who were the good kids and who were the bad kids. 
right. you and I had just gotten lumped in that group of we were the bad kids. We were well, the juvenile delinquents out. that didn't deserve to go on. Because if you look at my report cards, right up until the point where I mentally checked the fuck out of school, I was an A student right along the board. I mean, I was in all those groups too. You know, I was an A student until junior year, and then I was a B student, and mm-hmm. then and then. I aced my I, all my SATs and all that. I I like hit like ninety eight on all of them because I was right. like, those are the only things that are gonna count because those are what my my colleges are gonna look at, you know. Right. And I so I was like, fuck, you know, fuck these other classes. I'm gonna take photography, you know. Because I know. treated high school the same way I treated. You remember that one uh, teacher who was a fucking alcoholic there. <laughs> Which one? Uh, well, he was—he was an English teacher Mr. in like Metz? ninth. Metz. That he was him. Like, he looked like Al Jaffe. See, I yeah, he did. I treated high school the same way I treated his class, which was—I'm pretty sure you were in my class that one time that uh, he snapped about. Some, I think I asked to borrow a pen, and he thought I was being a wise ass. And one of the rare times I actually was not being a wise ass, I really just needed a pen. And he threw it at me. And then he snapped and he told me I had detention. And it really kind of pissed me off. So after I figure a sufficient amount of time had, had gone by to where he would cool down and, and think a little more rationally, I uh, called his attention and I, I just, I, you know, it really strikes me as there were, there were some rare times when I was actually much ballsier than, than I think I would even be today in some of these situations. But I was really ballsy about it, and I, I like raised my hand and got his attention, and I just told him to flip through his grade book under my name. And I, I remember him like pulling out the grade book and, and going through it, and I made my point that I wasn't one of the kids that gave him a hard time, and I was one of the kids that had exceptional grades in that class, you know? And that was pretty much how I approached school, was I didn't play the game. I rarely did homework or any of that shit, you know? But when it came to the things that were important, the, the, the tests and, you know, the, the big watermarks, you know, the things that were actually the things that counted towards your final grade in the class, I aced all that shit. I never had a problem with right. that aspect of school. But I didn't realize until later that it was not playing the game, yet beating the system, that somewhere along the line I pissed somebody off. They didn't like that. They liked the kids that were like Mike McMahon, who were very servile, did what they were told, didn't make waves or cause problems. And that definitely was not me. Well, I I just remember I was, you know, I was always shoved in the A group with those guys and I made friends with all of them. But somewhere along, you know, sophomore year of school, I started hanging out with the kids who were the more the troublemakers because... They had personalities. They had, you know, there was more going on there. And mm-hmm. I started learning. These guys are just as intelligent, if not fucking, you know, Chuck Champagne was demonized. People hated him. You know, they, you know, he was just held up as being this like horrible juvenile delinquent. And he had the, you know, he had the brain of a genius. You know, he was, he was way ahead of the computer curve. And, you know, he was, his brain was just full of, of stuff and he was very creative and imaginative and funny and and but he was stuck in a horrible household in a horrible town in a horrible school surrounded by idiots you know and he acted out and mm-hmm. and, 
yeah, it, it was just sucky. And Carthage is, you know, it's one of those little just depressed, constantly, you know, poor, you know, the only, you know, just, you know, just a, a if if you're gonna live a quote unquote financially comfortable life there, you're gonna be in some grind at the paper mill like your you, like your dad ended up with, you know, mm-hmm. working night shifts and come. And coming home where the only thing you want to do is sit down in front of the TV till it's time to go to bed and then get up and go work another shift and then all of a sudden find out it's a double shift. You know, I mean, I always remember your dad coming home, your mom going out, your dad's working another double shift again and him coming home just beat to shit from, you know, working 14 hours at the paper mill, 16 hours, you know. Yep. And that was not the life I wanted. Sixteen tons. What do you get? <laughs> but you know those, those people that play it safe and play by the rules and do everything they're told and all that. You know they they you know they might have been you know the nicest kids in high school and all that. But I would venture a guess that you know none of the the Einsteins and Edison's and you know came from that right came yes. from that group you know they were always the rebels and the misfits and the juvenile delinquents well, we and, didn't know that then when we were kids that's where we always thought those were the kids who were going to go to on to become something and they all probably went on to do pretty well for themselves but just in a sort of boring sort of right they're the people the that you know at fashioned. the office that are just boring as shit you know and and that's you know, that's why, in the long run, I think you and I ended up not only hanging out with each other, but we hang, hung out with that kind of misfit crowd because, you know, that's where the more interesting people yeah. were. In, in a lot of ways, I think for we're... It. Yeah, we do. And in a lot of ways, and I, you know, I hope nobody takes this, you know, as, as, a, as a dig because I don't mean it that way, but in a lot of ways, I think we're still hanging out with that sort of crowd. You know, the people that we know today... <laughs> You know, both as our friends and our listeners and our, our you know compatriots and stuff, are kind of that way. You know, kind of misfits or you know, kind of feel like misfits in, in their own social world and everything. So yeah, you know, I, I, those those people that were the oh, right the, way to wrap it up by. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'll be very curious what the what the listeners think of this episode because it took a turn that I didn't expect getting I thought this was going to be very much the you know the, the more comedic thing but uh but I well, like after where it, my, where it that went. one jack of, of laughter man I don't think I would have had a brain Oh hemorrhage. I was dying yeah yeah so it's probably just as well we end on such a somber note So if anybody's listening Carthage High School and it's still a, a, a hellhole don't worry one day you can get out of it and and make very little money and have your own podcast <laughs> and laugh your asses off yes but as a known scientist it's a bit surprising if the girl blinded me with something yes but as a known scientist it's a bit surprising if yes but as a known scientist it's a bit surprising if the girl blinded me with something god damn it Randy. i know as a known scientist, it's a bit surprising if the girl blinded me with something.
Find yourself going to Amazon.com and uh, buying some record or movie or some stupid thing that two true freaks have been talking about so that you can catch up on it or you've been reminded of it or something. Well, now, how about this? Instead of going to Amazon.com, go to two true and follow our link to Amazon.com. When you do that, if you buy something over at Amazon, we get a little cut out of it which is awesome because we love money and it won't cost you a thing. Did you know you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows? That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today.
Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of... Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U. I did not take my family to see Porky's. <laughs>